John Podcast Network. So you have a bit? I don't. Oh. I don't. I didn't set this uh, episode up. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Somebody else have a bit? Um, I mean, we've been bitless before. <laughs> bitless. Bitless. Sure, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I don't know. I got... Well, hello, excellent humans. Because <laughs> he can put in some thumps and screams. Sure. Can just have Tim Curry going, Oh, good shot, Green. <laughs> oh, very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hello, excellent humans, and welcome to another episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I'm your host, Allison Ukulis. With me, as always, is my host. Co-host. Okay. <laughs> can I <speak> again? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hunter Bush. <laughs> And our guests today. <laughs> I'm Crystal Brackett. And I'm Sean Brady. Hello. Hello. Y'all may recognize Crystal from too many episodes to count at this point. I think I think this is nine. I think I've been on wow. eight previous. Yeah, that sounds I believe. That sounds right. Sounds truthish. The yeah. iconic Beethoven series. Yes. Yeah, I think this is your ninth time, Crystal. Ninth. Oh. I think. Birdcage, right? Mm-hmm. That's the most recent one. Yeah. Cursed. Mm-hmm. Adam's Family. I'm the aforementioned Beethoven. Beethoven. Howard the Duck. Oh, man, I always forget about Howard the Duck. Vibrations. Yeah. And You're Next. You're Next, that's seven. Legacy. That's seven. Oh, the Legacy. Oh, legacy. I missed eight. Legacy. Was... That's eight. Yeah. yeah. And now this number nine, baby. Number nine. Ooh, next one's my tenth one. Ah, you get two Ooh. patches. Ooh. <laughs> Stop making some people patches. I gotta design these patches. We can design these you patches together. Promised Smalls stuff. I, I, I promised Smalls and everybody else the five timers patch. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. she wanted a five timers patch. I was like, I can do that. And I was like, well, I'll have to make a couple and I'll give them to everybody that's been yeah. on five times, which is not too many people. So, uh, you should do them Roman numerals. Okay. Can we talk about patch design when we're not recording? Because one design, of us has to edit this. And I would like to have I, less to do. I got my V. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. I got my X. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is, okay. All right. You're, you're, no, I'm sorry. You're driving. What do you want to talk about? Patches. I like them. What's your favorite kind? <laughs> do you like uh, chenille? How do you feel about chenille? Nicotine. Scale of one to ten. <laughs> Nicotine. Nicotine. <laughs> Clearly patch the best Adams. patches in the game. Yeah. yeah, Patch Adams. Important patch. Mm-hmm. Wolverine. Alias, or they called him Patch because he wore an eye patch. Because I guess that's how you just—that's oh. how you disguise yourself when you're Wolverine. Oh boy. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I was like, they called him Patches. What kind of Canadian it's nonsense? Just patch, but... Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Patch is somehow more masculine than Patches. I just think of Patches <laughs> O'Houlihan, uh, Hank Azaria's like little cameo in Dodgeball. Where mm. He's in the uh, oh, the yeah. like how-to video. Yeah. yeah he's doing his. Uh, Old time radio Classic voice. old time radio voice. Dodgeball this week. No, we did no, not. No, we did not. 
Sean, you picked this. I did. Yes, Sean. There's, it's you, and Crystal, and Allison, and me. Connect these four people. What did we watch? Uh, we watched the cinema classic Clue, starring Tim Curry and a whole bunch of other people. And it happens to be probably a top ten movie all time for me. I've seen it. This was I couldn't even safely guesstimate. I think it had to be at least like my forty or fortieth or fiftieth watch when wow. we did it for this one. It's like a little obnoxious, probably at this point. <laughs> he knew every word. So yeah, nineteen eighty five's Clue. There is, I think, a, a new one in the works, but Last I, I heard, don't know if that's still your boy happening. Ryan Reynolds, Which, right? He was attached, oh, Ryan wasn't Ray. he? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, because I feel like it could be fun and like inoffensive, and I feel like it could also just piss me off. <laughs> um, unfortunately, aside from Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds hasn't done a lot of um, good... Well, it's that he's exactly the same in everything. It works in Deadpool. That's yeah. That's what it is. It's like you found the thing that well, being Ryan Reynolds really works well in, and it was Deadpool, and that's great. And the one but then he just the, does the same thing in everything. And the one where he hears the voices, which I think is just called voices. It is called voices. I also liked. Yeah, I don't know. I know you didn't. Yeah, we had yeah. We can talk about it. Some I uh, I know it's not that good, but I quite enjoyed. Um, uh, oh, what is it? Smoke and Aces. Ooh, ensemble watched, movie, so it's not like he's like yeah. carrying it, but he's. I watched that once it hit the video store, after being you know mm-hmm. in theaters, and I do not remember it very well. It's just want to be Tarantino. It's not like yeah. an amazing movie. It's pretty fun. The cast is like endless. Yeah, I think that also came out within like maybe five years of Lucky Number Eleven, which also had a similar vibe, but I think it worked better hmm. for me. Yeah, I've seen both of those, like, once. Yeah. Um, Spoken Aces, Jeremy Piven's in it, Yeah. right? Um, Ray Liotta, Ryan Reynolds, Ben Affleck has a small part, Jason Bateman. Uh, um, What's his name from... um, Joel Edgerton, I think. Oh, really? Wow. You know, I can't pick Joel Edgerton out of the lineup. (laughs) See, but here's the even funnier part, is that he plays, like, like a Russian guy. There's, like, like three Edgertons, and I I don't... I don't know which one's which. It might not be that Edgerton but it is a Edgerton and he's like got the close like Slavic haircut and he's wearing a full like Adidas tracksuit so he looks completely unrecognizable huh what's his name is in that I this is I this is I'm gonna sound like my mother the guy who was in the, the thing. thing with the yeah it's the guy the guy was in the Guillermo del Toro um vampire tv show what's oh, that called? The, oh strain. the strain yeah yeah um one of those guys is in it. Hold but yeah, on. Chris P- Pine's in it too. I forgot about really? that. Really? Yeah, really early Chris Pine role, like before he huh. was Kevin tapped. Durand. Okay. Kevin Durand, I think, is in it. Yes, su- he is. The Supreme Chris. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine, easily top Chris. Yep, I was right. Joel Edgerton as Hugo Krupp, an Eastern European bodyguard and hanger on. Classic role for my man, Joel. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, that's like competing teams of like hitmen or something right and it's all because of a misunderstanding at the start of it's like supposed to be like a comedy and like it backdoors into the end and being like really serious and dramatic but the premise is like the fbi are um like listening in on the mafia and they misunderstand a phone call and i'm gonna spoil the movie spoilers for smoking aces oh boy everybody oh my god (laughs) just turn it off if you haven't seen it 
Um, so it has to do with like the head mafioso needing a heart transplant, and all they hear is they think they're speaking in codes. They're like the Swedes coming in, and there's like a million dollar uh, like hit on something, and they misunderstand that they think Jeremy Piven's supposed to be killed, and so every hitman is like a million dollar hit on Jeremy Piven's character, when in reality they just want his heart to like transplant it and it turns out like the fbi's in on it and it's all like oh my god it's just like i said wannabe tarantino like action kind of comedy quippy but tons of cartoonish characters all all the hitmen are like have their own vibes and and, yeah yeah. is is this the one where like our our lead guy is uh chomping on a carrot the whole time I don't believe No, so. I think that... Boy, I can't believe I pulled this out of the depths of my brain. But I think you're talking about, um... That's, uh... Is, what the fuck is that movie called? Shoot 'em Up? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking I haven't of. even you're seen right. that film. You're right. Clive Owen, you're right? right? Yeah, it is Clive Owen. Yeah. Yeah. What an was, interesting filmography I, for my yeah. guy Clive, oh, to be boy. honest with you. Yeah. Clive Owen is such yeah. a good actor. I He's in so much trash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that's the thing is I couldn't, I couldn't picture exactly who it was, but then I'm like, oh yeah, Clive Owen, because he does like weird like redesigns for different roles, too, physically. Like... Yeah, he looks uh, different in different shit, and that I can't was, remember the name of it. But that movie but, where he's got the three arms was wild. I can't believe he grew a whole third arm. <laughs> that. Yeah, shoot him up. Which I feel like that could have worked better for me. It's just that the humor wasn't um, good. Well, consistent. You know what has a lot of well, some shooting. <laughs> Glue. Mm. True. Um, and we counted, we did count the bullets this time. It was a fun did game. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I, I was like, I should have probably done that. I'm like, I'm not going to go back. Yeah, no, we, I, and, I and was Tim like Curry was, along. Tim Curry was absolutely, or not Tim Curry. Um, who was he talking to in the third ending? I think it was, um, Leslie Ann Warren's character, Miss Scarlet, um, where he's, Oh yeah. yeah the yeah, way, yeah. the way Miss Scarlet says it is correct. Yeah. And then the funny plus, bit of plus, it two plus one. is he just adds the yeah. two and it's like, yeah, that does add up to six, but it's just incorrect. So, yeah, I, I grew up watching this movie. Um, it, you know, it came out a year before I was born. Um, but I definitely, like, my mom really, really, really loves Tim Curry. So He's great. Yeah, oh, he's amazing. Oh, yeah. So I, I definitely have watched this, like, a million times. So there are things from it that, like, I forgot that I remembered. I was like, oh, right, this is really funny. Um, so it was a nice, because I haven't watched it in... Uh, probably a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think I tried to start watching it, like, a little while ago, but I fell asleep. Um, because I was just like, oh, this is, this is reminiscent of being a kid, and then passed out. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I was kind of old to see this for the first time, because, like, I played Clue a lot as a kid. Also, Mystery Mansion was a big deal for me, which was kind of Clue-ish, but had, like, a, a, a... digital organizer right. thing. It was during that era of 90s games. But, like, I don't think I watched Clue until maybe, like, high school. Like, yeah. I think I might have been, like, 15, 16 when I first saw it. Okay. Which is crazy to me. Like, this is something I could definitely see me growing up with. Yeah. For sure. In an alternate timeline. Yeah. Well, cause, but, um, yeah. like, for me, and I was born in 92, so, like, a decent amount of time away from the movie and 
I guess we'll talk about it a little bit, but the movie totally flopped in theaters. Yes, this was, was a, one of the cult classics where, you know, yeah. It, it didn't was recoup its budget, yeah. and a lot of it was like the three endings b- being shown in different theaters, like separately. The movie works well, if all three of the endings are together, and I think that was something they thought would be like. Well, so they thought it would oh, we'll, be like we'll, what comics do, where yeah, it's we'll like, co- oh, keep get, coming back yeah. and we'll get more money, and all it did was alienate people. But yeah. I didn't have any of that history. What I had was a movie that was literally airing on cable every week because it was a PG movie that had no cursing, had all the innuendo was like very tame, and it was cheap yeah. to air because it flopped and nobody cared about it. And I think that part of part of why people still talk about it is because of it did the Shawshank Redemption thing like after the movie came into home video and was airing on TV like every other week everyone realized like oh wait this movie is actually pretty good yeah it had enough of a cast that you could advertise the cast or show clips of it and people would be like oh I know I know them I know this yeah I I know a decent amount of people Um, but yeah I'm sure it didn't cost anything to license it was always on like Comedy Central. Yeah, that's where I saw it as a HBO kid. HBO as like a filler, th- especially when HBO originally just aired whatever before they were like, we're going to take ourselves seriously and start doing like original programming. Prestige get, television. Yeah, yeah, get cable ace awards or whatever. Um, when they would just air whatever, it was yeah. always on. Yeah. That's where I saw it. And then for years it was in rotation on Comedy Central, but it was always with commercials, you know. Right. So uh, it wasn't until like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago that I was like, I want to actually like watch it all the way through as like an adult. <laughs> right. And the way it was intended. Yeah. Like well, also like, yeah. man, especially because of like the pacing of this commercial, are probably extremely disruptive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I actually admitted this when we were watching it again, how like the jokes come like every 10 to 20 seconds. So even if one oh, misses sometimes even faster right. because people are like talking over each other. Exactly. And if you're not like listening, it's so harder to tell. Yeah. Even if one misses or you get like one miss a minute, yeah. you've forgotten it before the minute's even up. It's like, I think one of the... Yeah, it's got that old Hollywood cadence. It's like a very slapstick yeah. kind of... It's the like Mel Brooks approach yes. to comedy where it's like, throw a million things. It's not as slapstick. It's not quite as silly. Right. Um, at no point do like pastiches of other, you know, film characters come in or whatever, which would yeah. absolutely happen. In or we're not Melbourne's. doing the yeah. Benny Hill coming in and out of rooms to you, uh, uh, sped up. You but do it, have, is like, yeah. it is like, uh, yeah, a million jokes, throw them at the wall and see what your audience responds to. And like, yeah, especially with all the innuendo and the double talk and the just like clever interwoven language and things. Um, it, it's just like at some point, you know, something's got to land. Like one of, you know, right. one of these jokes will make you know appeal to somebody and you know and maybe someone will catch another one right and, they'll, yeah, and it'll be it'll it'll work yeah and i think i think um a thing that's really interesting about the movie is that um coming into it like like you said with cable when i started well, the first time i watched it i was i don't know maybe like six or seven and when i was that young it felt like very adult because a lot of the jokes like i got because it's like oh it starts with like a four minute extended dog poop joke like yeah there's there's a lot of humor yeah. here that's extremely juvenile or like i'm constantly being reminded of when uh the two parties in the attic and on the top uh, upper floor come down at the same time and just run into each other and like prat fall yeah. like that's just very like 30s comedy um that like kids can find funny but then you think like oh this is so adult but it's like pretty safe and then as i got older 
I realized how many of the jokes I just fully didn't get yeah. because I didn't have the context for yes. them, especially right. the McCarthyism stuff. That's oh, sure. honestly some of those jokes are to me these days like the funniest ones, like the line where Tim Curry goes. Oh, J. Edgar Hoover's on everyone else's phone. Why shouldn't he be on mine? Like, yeah. it's, it's a great line. Yeah. Uh, him getting choked up talking about his wife. Oh, the communist. Socialists. We all make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. All time yeah. line reading. It's, so, it's amazing. So fantastic. Yeah. Also, I mean, this, this, like, sort of frenetic pacing works really well in terms of, you know, uh, like, making it, um, making any of the endings plausible yeah kind of because like there are there's so much content that yeah if you pull out certain threads and other ones are considered red herrings any of these things could be plausible yeah the whole multiple endings thing hinges on the idea that nobody really knows what happened despite it literally being like everybody was there everybody was there everybody was there it was a matter of life and death and it's not a single incident it's multiple things so it's you know we dropped several bodies yeah it's (laughs) yeah it's like dominoes Uh, from the you know the the get-go i love how this movie kind of like sets the tone you're like oh it's a dark and it was a dark and stormy night yeah and everybody's going to this like frankenstein castle yeah like just like it's a lot like Rocky Horror. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very Rocky. Why do you think Tim, Tim Curry Curry's got cast? Yeah, Tim Curry's in a monkey suit. There's a maid. Like yeah, it's a, it's it's very Rocky Horror. Um, and I I was definitely thinking that, and I was just like, oh, this is this is pretty great. And then you know everybody starts arriving, and I'm I'm like, oh okay, I see how this is going. I like this. I think right. it should be also pointed out how interestingly set up this movie is because of what it is because of what it's based on and because like you said of how the way the plot's constructed so that all three endings can be plausible nothing is like everything is kind of interchangeable or everything's sort of uh, a misdirect um the fact that the plot is just like this in real time night the fact that it's like set up where like the guests are introduced you you piece it out and then the murders start happening. I can't honestly think of another movie, even a murder mystery movie. That's definitely like, this is in a genre. I can't think of another movie that's quite arranged in this way because all the characters are like basically just archetypes to begin with. Cause they're pieces on a, on a game board. You know? I mean, so like 13 ghosts kind of has that where it's yeah. everybody was invited and True, you know, yeah. has like their own motivations and stuff. So, I mean like there is, and I'm, I'm sure there's, like, maybe, like, one or two other things I'm not thinking of. But like uh, murder by Death. Murder by Death, yeah. So, like, there, oh, yeah. there are... Yeah. Murder by Death is the big one. It's very, it's yeah. really similar in... Isn't Peter Sellers it... in that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Mike, Sellers it's... is in a lot of movies like yeah. that, too. Mm-hmm. I should um, do that movie yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, I've and never seen it, but I mean, it, like, also, I've... a lot of the Agatha Christie adaptations mm, sort of yes. have that feel, too. I was also Anything thinking... Anything based on, what is it, Ten Little Indians or whatever? Yeah. Right, yeah. Which is, like, 40 movies... <laughs> They're all like that because it's all like, here's the, and it's it's not as quite as cartoonish as, as right. Clue, but it's like here's you know, Professor von whoever, and he's like, I am a scientist. I will talk like this the whole time. You're like, cool, all right. <laughs> and <laughs> then and it's like the French Lothario, and he's like, wee oui, wee, oui, and then you know, and it's like it's just all these like character like broad, but not exactly quite as like, mm-hmm. yeah, quite as yeah. silly or cartoonish. Right. Yeah, but, what but I like will, what I will give you is as far as like. Notoriety, accessibility, you know, cult 
favoritism, whatever. This is like oh, one yeah. of the movies. Like and also, it is genre defining. When you're mentioning Thirteen Ghosts, I guess in a similar way, House on Haunted Hill kind of has this energy. But I feel like you're more likely mm. to find the like, the like people cooped in like a single place yeah. with like yeah, events happening in horror films. Ha- House more on Haunted Hill is kind of skewing a little bit more into horror and a little less into murder mystery, which right. is a, it, it ultimately a depends shift. on who is doing the ki- who or what is doing the killing. Yeah, yeah. if I it mean, is ghosts, then same that thing does, like yeah, I guess Thirteen the, Ghosts. I was gonna right. say there's so, no yeah, murder mystery in Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah. There is a glass ass house is though. Close. Yeah. yeah. And it has Matthew Lillard, so... That's the... 20- well, that's the remake, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the one I... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you know I what? Was... In my head, all I'm thinking of is Tony Shalhoub in a glass house. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm with it. That is, like, Clue. Although, also, I mean, Clue does have a couple of moments that are, like, legitimately pretty scary. Yeah. There's, I mentioned that, too, like when some, we were watching um, it. Definitely. You know, like, like uh, st- the... startle scares, like when the uh, cook falls out of the... Uh, walk in yeah when the, and, like, when the, the motorist gets killed out. oh yeah because the, yeah. the music even is scary because i even mentioned yeah. to crystal when that moment was happening i'm like when i was a kid coming back to the like feeling like this movie was like more adult than it actually was yeah. it had these elements of different kinds of genres or like to me when i was eight those scenes genuinely were a little scary at least when i yeah. saw the movie for the first yeah. time and didn't know where it was going Right, it's um, the language of the cinema. You you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be scared of this. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's an unseen figure wielding a knife. Like you're like, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's scary. I see What's black, scarier than that? I see black gloved hands right. grabbing a noose. Like, right. Yeah. What's what could be scarier than that? Yeah. Yeah. And then immediately after that, it's like, you know, Michael McKeon, uh, uh, like being too afraid to go to the attic. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or uh, Tim Curry turning on uh, a shower thinking it's a door handle. Oh, yeah. boy, yeah. I think I'm at the door. Yeah. What's this? Is this another door? <laughs> just like, oh, And then cut, quick cut to him running down the stairs and you just hear the water squishing as yeah. he goes to yeah. turn the power back on. Yeah, it's very, it's very silly. Uh, how much of the dialogue do you think is, like, as written or how much do you think so was, like... So, I actually know this as a true fact, or at least what Jonathan Lynn and the cast says. There is only one moment in oh, the movie... Oh, did we mention that directed by Jonathan Lynn? We did not. No, Jonathan Lynn's first. Jonathan Lynn's first movie he directed uh, in Hollywood, he had been doing theater directing in London, and there was... Uh, I know him from My Cousin Vinny. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. get to, yeah. is obviously what he's probably most known for besides Clue, maybe even in certain ways more than Clue, is My Cousin oh. Vinny, which is... Well, My Cousin Vinny His did, hit, you know, he actually yeah. got... He finally got the success. Yeah, he yeah. won Oscars, they for appar- sure. They apparently yeah. also show it in certain, um, like, law My classes. Cousin Vinny? Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah, because cool. it is how to lawyer... Yeah. It's a pretty accurate yeah. depiction of yeah. the way the court works. Right. Uh, yeah, of uh, uh, what's the tactics and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm what, done with this guy. So the <laughs> so actually like the the production of the movie was pretty was pretty complicated in that Jonathan Landis was originally supposed to direct because it was his baby. He had been trying to pitch it to studios for like years. Jonathan Lynn said that. Um, the pitch he gave was like extremely animated. He was jumping all over the place. Landis was, or yeah, Landis oh, okay. is trying to pitch it to people because he said, "Did he, he want to direct it?" He originally wanted okay. to direct it because he, but he, what he did was he had this premise that was sitting in his head about adapting Clue because I think a partner of his bought the rights to it and was like, "We need to do this," and he yeah, wanted to great, do it because he it's loved a great idea for Landis loves the the like Agatha Christie or like murder mystery, the like the tropes and all that stuff. He loved it. And he realized at a point he had been writing or getting the plot together. He realized when he got to the three endings, which was always something I think that was even mandated. I don't even think it was his idea. They thought about doing endings for everybody. Really? But 
realized that was going to be like two hours, which was right. unheard of at that time. Yeah, see, yeah. watching it as a kid, I was always like, are there more endings? Like, yeah. Why, why they is actually there an ending so for Started to film a fourth yeah, one, there too. There weren't actually more endings. There was an alternative ending, like, way the second ending could have gone that involved Mrs. Peacock being murdered. Oh. Like, really? Well, killed by the cops. Interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, there was and also that seemed a little dark, so they lightened yeah, it up a little, a little bit it of just her dark. being arrested. But they, I think, was it was also intended to have everybody be, um, you know, be a potential murderer. Mm. But they to quote it down Stu to from Scream, everybody's a suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So his problem was when he got to trying to write the three endings, he realized that one, I'm not actually a writer. I don't really write scripts I, I'm not that great at it and I wrote myself into a place where I literally couldn't logically come up with three endings that made sense and like carried what had already happened so he started going to writers the first person he asked yeah. was Tom Stoppard who apparently according to John Land or uh yeah John Landis um worked on it for like a year this is in like 82 83 at this I know, point I know the name Tom Stoppard who, why do I know that uh, he is probably most famous for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is dead he's a playwright okay. but he also is a scriptwriter. I don't know his filmography off the top of my head but I think he wrote Empire of the Sun as one of the movies he did write um, okay but he's a pretty known yeah, playwright like, scriptwriter. but like someone that's way headier than what <laughs> the movie is right you're like really Tom Stoppard was tapped to write it yeah. and apparently he sent his check back with a nicely written letter to Jonathan Landis after like half a year saying, I can't do it. Here's your money back. So he moved on to Stephen Sondheim, yeah. who apparently <laughs> was super into it and then asked for way too much money. And the studio was like, uh-uh. And so Jonathan, um, Jonathan Landis landed on Jonathan Lynn, who he had appreciated from the television show he had worked on. And I don't know the name off the top of my head in, um, in England because he's a, he's a British guy. So he agreed to write it and spent, like, another year writing it. And it took so long that Jonathan Landis couldn't direct it anymore. He uh, had gotten agreed to another directing deal, and he said, I want this to happen. Why don't you direct it? I'll executive produce. And that's, that's where they went from there. So to bring it back around, sorry, yeah, well, long story I thought, short, I I had too seen, late. like, a couple of different people had their hands on the script as, as mm -hmm. far as, like, rewrites. And then the he script... finally had like a synthesis yes so jonathan lynn apparently is just a hard to the script guy and everything that's in the movie was in the script except for one moment and it's the 20 seconds flames yeah on the side, side of, my of my face, face. oh god and that flames. was ad-libbed and apparently flames. even flames on the side of my face he heavy breathing heaving, heaving breath breath Heaving breath. <laughs> and that's the only ad-libbed moment in this entire movie, God, which is kind so of crazy to think good. about. It's, yeah, it's one of the absolute best. Uh, um, this does feel very... Uh, Constructed? It, well, um, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber-y, like, uh, oh. and, and Stephen Sondheim. Theatrical. Like, yeah. Yeah. And very, and like, wordy and, and witty. Yeah. sharp and fast and, like, yeah. Nobody really talks like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is old Hollywood, like, yeah. all, the, all those, yeah. like, His come, Girl Friday come up, movies. Come up and like, see me sometime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how about this? What about that? Zing, zang, zing, zing, zing. You know, like, oh, okay, everybody calm down. Here's <laughs> yeah. a question for you. Would this movie... Also, I'm supposed to believe those people were that fast all the time when I know everybody was drunk. Right, it, yes. It was Dude. the 20s. Uh, I know you were all sloshed. It's... But it was the 80s and everybody No, no, had I mean, I'm talking about old Hollywood movies. Oh, okay. That's true. His girlfriend. Okay. Um, real quick, Tom Stoppard's uh, filmography includes Brazil. Oh, yeah. Oh. Holy shit. 
Empire of the Sun, which you mentioned, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which you mentioned, most recently and notably Shakespeare in Love, which got some Oscar uh, okay. stuff, but most recently watched by me, The Russia House, <laughs> oh. which is like a... Uh, Hunter found it on VHS. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I never fucking heard of this movie. It stars Michelle Pfeiffer and Sean Connery. Oh. It's, it's based on a John le Carre uh, novel, and I was like, how have I never heard of this? This should have been on HBO all the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's it's a perfectly serviceable, like... It's Thriller, about yeah. it's about working with the Russians again at a time when we is you know the eighties where we were not working we're with the, the Russians. Russians and then when right. they went to start filming was actually when the Berlin Wall came down. Oh shit! So it's the first uh, American production to film in uh, yeah. in the other side of the yeah on the other curtain. side of the wall yeah wow um, it's wild yeah that's it's crazy a, it's a very interesting pedigree the movie is interesting and very good but like. It's a sleepy, like, it's a dad movie. Like, well, it's a very, like, sleepy yeah. afternoon yeah, I mean, political thriller. When you say it's based on Le, Le Care, I, like, there's a certain kind of expectation you have, and if it's, like, if it, yeah. that's not your speed, you're probably not going to like no, it, but it's, like, he's always writing, like, he, he I like that kind the, of spy it's stuff, It's the right? paperwork yeah. James Bond. Absolutely. It's, like, it's all the, it's all the international, like, intrigue and espionage, but it's all the paperwork. And yeah, it's super <laughs> mundane, right? It's, yeah. like, realistic. It's, it's like, like this is how it actually happened. Yeah, Bridge of Spies and, Take like, your Taylor Soldier Taylor Spy, Taylor right? Soldier Spy Which is a fantastic one, yeah. movie. Yeah, and those are all movies where you're like, oh man, this is so tense, and then they resolve it with, like, phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it's like half the movie takes place in an office building. They yeah, got Al like, Capone oh on taxes, so I mean, <laughs> come on. That's true. Yeah, yeah so, you don't uh... fuck with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the script was the script. Like, what, I mean, obviously it was, like, very painful for them to get it out. It took a bunch of years, but what, what they had when they filmed was, like, for the most part, That's a what it script. was. It is, yeah. when you think about it. A lot, of, like, a lot mean, of moving parts, a lot of, like, blocking. Which means that's, a, too, depending know? on how many people worked on it besides Jonathan Lynn, but, like, when you think about yeah. it, all those jokes, all those one-liners, all those asides, that's one guy or a couple guys really thinking about it and, like, sticking to the cadence and the tempo yeah. and really trusting that what they had worked. Because you think modern comedies a lot of the time, or, like, comedies in the 2000s, because I don't even know, do comedies get made anymore? But, like... The guys hanging out and and riffing and ad libbing and then right. editing together a movie—that's what I think of as like the modern comedy, right? Like, yeah, that's the Anchorman. modern. Yeah, Anchorman, yes. or any other like knocked up four-year-old virgin, uh, super bad. Yeah, any of them. What's his name? Uh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Yeah, mm-hmm. any of the Judd Apatow yeah. movies, like, which is like that's my—I mean—that's the platonic ideal I think now of like the ensemble comedy. Like people are like, oh, get a bunch of funny people. And let them and be funny. Who are good at improv. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, that's fine, and I get it. But also, you know, stuff that works, that uses that, is like um, Curb Your Enthusiasm and Parks and Rec, yeah. where they, they're like, we have a script. It has jokes. The jokes are funny. It all works. It has character. We will get what is on the script, you know, what's on the page, and then now we can mess around and see what we come up with. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of people write, like, you know, currently, not, like, they write stuff where it's like, uh, and they all go to the aquarium and like, yeah, they'll make something funny out of that. I don't know. There's maybe there's a dead fish. I don't know. All right, moving on. Yeah, like, like the person, who, right. the person who wrote Se- Step Brothers. Did they really write Step Brothers? Right. You know did what they, I mean? Did like, they write the little girl says you better watch your back essay? Yeah. Because I don't know if they wrote that. <laughs> That's the funniest line in 20 years. <laughs> it is a much uh, safer and saner bet to have like a framework done, yeah. and then mm-hmm. but but also allow the room for... Riffing. Yeah. 
I think also in in regard to that, I think the real secret sauce for why the movie has legs and has lived on it's grown into a cult film is because the cast is stacked. It's just funny. Lots of funny people who are very clearly having a good time together. I imagine they were all like hanging out in that mansion. Like just, you know, Well, that's the thing about like the the, the script being, you know, as you say, like mostly all written as, 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 as is, it's like, man, you got some of the funniest people and, do you feel I, like it was a missed opportunity? No, then? I think if you told me the other way, if you were told me like, oh, they wrote a thing, but it's like ninety percent scrapped and they just ad libbed all this, I would also believe that for sure. Yeah, because um, it's like every character, pretty much every time they open that door, it's like, guess who? Here's you know, yeah, who's it gonna be now? Right, who? You know, like Michael. I didn't know any of these people when I was a kid, but now I'm like, oh, it's fucking Michael McKeon. <laughs> right, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and. Also, my favorite... I don't know. Should we talk about the... Should we do the plot? Should we walk through the plot? Yeah, I was going to say, we're yeah. gonna, we should probably... We, we could. I mean, the point I just wanted to put a yes. finer Sorry. point on was that, yeah, you have a lot of, like, really stellar people, like, really filling out and inhabiting these characters and this role. And that's why it feels so much like it could have just been them, is that they're able to have that, like... Yeah. I think if you'd made... And we were talking briefly at the beginning about how this might get remade eventually... I think they would get, they wouldn't get as many inherently just funny people for, they would get like, people where you a, think you know A face that you're like, oh, that's a recognizable person. And also a person where you look at them and you think you know, like, okay, I get their whole deal. Right. So that yeah. their public persona would do half the heavy lifting for like what their character is. Right. You know, the you same s- way you cast like character actors, but it would be like, you know, you'd get, I don't fucking know, Beyonce well, to be one right. of them. Like, okay, cool. That automatically tells me a lot without her ever having to say anything. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's Beyonce. Like, I have an idea of who Beyonce is. Ryan Gosling as Mr. Body. Right. See, that's too, that's too, that, well, that'd be too big of a budget at that point, right? Like, budget, can you yeah. imagine a, like, because it's an ensemble movie at, like, right. in general. Jared like, at some Leto point, it's like, Mr. Body. Clue, the remake. Yeah, but then, but then, the, then the $200 remake, million dollar budget. Yeah, but then yeah. the remake would be famous for the only movie where they committed an actual murder. <laughs> <laughs> really killed Jared Leto and it's like no this is all press for the movie it's like no oh, he's man. dead look here's his rotting body like that special effects are great like I cannot drive home enough how we don't know who killed him <laughs> it's actually a documentary, it's a we, documentary. Were gonna, we were gonna film the movie but everybody had a reason to and then it ends up like uh, a murder on the Orient Express where it's like you all killed him <laughs> <laughs> like Rex like Butin, he was poisoned, shot, shot drowned, stabbed, drowned. And also I wanted to... Uh, Terminal VD. <laughs> yeah. Talking about... That might have been a pre-existing one. Talking about the cast... It's um, not the VD that gets you, it's the <laughs> cure before antibiotics, because they used to put, like, mercury in your pee hole or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my new band name. Mercury. Hey, we're mercury in your pee hole. We'll be here till Thursday. Thanks. <laughs> Man, if, if you told me we're going to see a band tonight called Mercury in Your Pee Hole and they didn't sound like Ween, I'd be really mad. <laughs> oh, man, could you imagine? If I got there and they didn't sound anything like Ween, I'm like, I'm leaving. I want my money back. What I wanted to also add about the cast and how stacked they are and how funny they are is something that I thought was interesting for how not well the movie did in its time in the box office, but the fact that in its in its ensemble cast, they included three actors who were already Academy Award nominated, which you'd think that this would be the type of movie that like maybe some people would have been in that movie at the beginning of their careers and like stepped up to the point, but right. like... Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn that was my um, Leslie Ann Warren, what and was Leslie Ann Warren? Um, uh, Victor Victoria, oh. and Eileen Brennan in, um, I can't, um, it, like, she was in the last picture show, but that was not her Academy Award nominee movie. She was also Academy Award nominated. I don't think any of them won. Madeline Kahn was for Paper Moon. 
But these yeah, are no, people yeah. who were established in Hollywood with like yeah. a cash at that point. They had been uh, Oscar nominated, and they're in this silly, zany right. comedy in the mid '80s when they they'd already been like doing this stuff. Right. It's with like the, pretty with the Rocky Horror Guy, and right? Notably, Lee Ving, lead singer of Fear. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I pointed that out and I explained. I was like, "Hey, um, the, the lead singer of I, X is in this movie," and then I, I was lean, like, "I don't think that's right. Wait a minute." Eileen <laughs> Brennan was a nominee for uh, Private Benjamin. Thank you, Private Benjamin. Oh, I've never seen that. There's some serious clout in this cast at the time, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's weird to think about. Christopher Lloyd, this movie came out a couple months before Back to the Future, so he oh, was yeah. not... Like, he right. was the guy he from Taxi. Taxi. That was right. all he was at that point. So, and he... I've read interviews where he even said, like, I was with all these people who were, like, successful and funny, and I'm, like, nervous, hoping I'm okay, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, this is Christopher Lloyd saying this. Right. Like, what yeah. the hell? Um, but it's yeah, weird to think about to think that about he's that, that guy yeah. in that dynamic. And the same with... Uh, Michael McKeon, who had, I think, only really done Spinal Tap at that point, yeah. as far as, like, yeah, done the, significant stuff that people yeah. might know um, so, when that movie SCTV, came out. SCTV, I think, right. and yeah. then, yeah, that, yeah. I, I saw an internet thing about imposter syndrome that Neil Gaiman had apparently, like, been talking about, that he was at, like, some sort of, like, a big to-do of, like, a bunch of famous people, and he was yeah. talking to a guy who is, you know, like, oh, man, like, you write all these books and stuff, and you're, you're you know, real great and everything, and, like, I don't know, like, people keep talking about me like I'm some big deal, and all I did was go where they told me to, and he's like, well, yeah, Neil Armstrong, you walked on the moon, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was Buzz Aldrin. I don't know, either way, like... It, it was an astronaut. Yeah, 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 and I don't know how true that is, but, like, there's definitely an idea of, like, yeah, I mean, like, you could actually be pretty fucking good at, like, the shit that you do. And, and be among, like, who who us normal people would consider your peers and yeah. still feel like you don't belong there because oh, sure. that's just the dumb shit that we do to ourselves. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why uh, celebrities always have to have, like, big elaborate orgies. <laughs> so they're all like, well, now we can't really be awkward around each other. You're fully uh, into the... You're in the club now. Yeah. Welcome. We've all seen Madeline Kahn's naked boobs. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> or right. whatever. We've all seen Martin Mull's shriveled penis. Right. We've all seen Martin Short's, you know. <laughs> Martin Short. Short Martin. Long Martin. We've all seen <laughs> Martin Short's Short uh, Martin. Oh, I don't know. Man. Martin Short has long Martin energy. Uh, fair <laughs> long Martin energy. Is if you glean thing. anything from this podcast, it should just be that fact. So should we, uh... Yeah, you want to go start from the top? You want to go through the little... Yeah, little, uh, little, Sean, this plot. was, you know, your, your pick. So uh, sure. walk us briefly, you know, broad strokes through the plot. We can go back and talk about scenes and details of course so the plot as it were if you've ever played clue it is like clue with like some some meat attached to the bones they set it in 1954 in new england so it's centered around the time of mccarthyism communists the red scare eight people seven people a, a number of people are invited to a mansion it starts off with seven the butler the maid and the cook Thank you. So seven people are invited to a mansion for a dinner party that they don't really know what the purpose of it is. And the setup is all these people showing up to this mansion. And over the course of the night, a number of people in the house are murdered. And the the guests of this party have to try to discern who the culprit is, a la the famous board game Clue. Yeah. Yeah. Clue uh, is known as Cluedo everywhere else but North America. It was devised in 1943 by British board game designer Anthony Pratt. The game was first manufactured by Waddington's in the UK in 1949, 
And since then, it's been relaunched and updated, and is currently owned and published by Hasbro in America. Do you think Tim Curry's butler character, Wadsworth, is a nod to Waddington's? Waddington's. Well, maybe. It's an original character, you know, that Waddington is not, or Wadsworth is not in the game. He's not part of the, yeah, I, I mean... Mr. Body, which I way. think is named something different in the Cluedo. I think that it's just kind of a clever reference to the fact that there is a dead body that's like unnamed. Well, so no, but I mean, like, or is in, they, are they in, named Mr. In, body in North yeah. American? Oh, okay. Clue, Mr. Body is the I person that the you're game. trying to figure out who was like, who murdered him. Um, but I don't think that that was the same thing. In other things. All I know is... Are you talking about the movie version or the game? The game. Well, I'm talking about the game. Okay, because is... all I know is in uh, everywhere outside the U.S., it's called lead piping, not a lead pipe. Interesting. Uh, that's just, yeah, dialogue or a language, um, you know, quirk. It's usually referred to as a dagger, but in the U.K., or in the in the U.S., it's a knife. Yeah. This is a knife. Yeah, I think recently everybody <laughs> adopted dagger. I think all versions of it now say dagger. Yeah. I think when I'd look at the knife in the movie, I think I'd see that and be like, that's a dagger. Right, it's yeah. a dagger, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's not a kitchen knife. No. Where are you seeing that being used? In Cluedo, he's Reverend Green, uh. but in North America, it's Mr. Green, because oh. they didn't want to have... Uh, uh, Religious connotation? Yeah. It's it's that in the UK, Mr. Body is known as Dr. Black. Okay. Oh. And, Dr. Black. And he is always the, like, victim. And it just goes with the colors, and then also, obviously, um, in the game, the players assume the roles of, uh, or do you actually play as the people? Like, you pick your color, but, like, there are seven characters, they're all color-oriented, they all go by pseudonyms. Well, it's it's six. For six. It's Miss Scarlet, Mrs. Peacock, Mrs. White. Colonel, Colonel Mustard, Mustard, Professor Plum, Mr. and Green. Mr. Green. Yes, thank you. So and that's six. that's your max amount characters. of players that can play. Right. Um, I mean, like there are different editions. I think there's like uh, an ultimate clue Simpsons that has clue when I was a kid as well. Oh yeah, I mean that's also why in the third ending when Mr. Green is like, I did it in the hall with yeah. the revolver. It's it's because like that's something that you could be saying is right. if you are playing as a character and you. Get have, to the end of the right, of the, the game, right. and no one has guessed correctly. Right. And and you're accusing it's I did it, and you know if if that happens to be who it is, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can absolutely be the one that does that. Did yeah. I <laughs> couldn't uh, I couldn't figure it out <laughs> definitively, but um, I couldn't think of any other movie. Is this the first time uh, a movie was adapted from something that was like decidedly not? Like a novel a or like or a narrative, yeah. Because um, it feels know. very modern in that way. Like the movie itself doesn't feel. <laughs> You're like yeah, anything it feels like specifically culturally bereft in a right. way. That... Like it's weird to think that this kind of uh, trend might have started with the Ur moment with this movie that feels nothing like them. But the idea of like the 1976 chess. No, I'm kidding. Okay, I was like, <laughs> what? But yeah, like you know, adapting properties or done. like. Thank you. The idea of property, like IP yeah, no. being like a thing that we need to monetize and like make make content for, regardless of whether or not there's a good idea for it. And I yeah. feel like I'm. It sounds like I'm talking badly about Clue, and I'm not. But it's no. like oh, it was a weird concept at the time. I'm sh- I'm sure other things were just adapted from novels, but I don't think very many things were like yeah, other. I mean, you know, no, yeah. t- tons of things historically, you know, are adapted from mostly novels. And sometimes other sources, but like as far as like a board game, 
Yeah. I can't think of anything that yeah, predates no, Clue, I can't but think like of anything either. But it's also, you know, entirely possible that you'd be like, oh, well, uh, this thing is adapted from this. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We're forgetting the 1963 classic Candyland. Leading off the top of the movie, though, I, I had a quick question for you guys. How much did you enjoy or not enjoy the extended dog poop joke, which I think is probably the most juvenile oh. joke in the well, entire film? Okay, it is, but also it's not done, like... They never say so, the words, I stepped in dog shit, or right. anything. It's all silent, right? Yeah, like exactly. So, like, it has a much more old Hollywood feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, nobody, like, slips in it and falls down. And, yeah, I have poop all over myself <laughs> Right. Now. There's poop everywhere. Right. It's just seeing people, like, doing it's, little sniffs and making a face. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, it's not uh, Jeff Daniels uh, and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're like, oh, I fell in a whole bunch of shit. And it's like... <laughs> I guess that's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess we just gotta okay. put a lampshade on it. All right. Oh, um, yeah. uh, uh, Joe Dirt with uh, David Spade. I got the poo on me. I've seen it. <laughs> I don't really remember it. I well, do at one vividly point, recall it. He has it. the poo on him. He does that have the poo sounds, on him. Sounds uh, sounds right. I believe it. <laughs> you know they made a sequel to that movie. Did they? What? Yeah, and it involves everybody. Shut up. Time travel. What? <laughs> I'm looking it up because I don't believe you. It was David Spade in it. Yeah. You know what? That's believable. It was directly to some streaming service that probably doesn't even exist now. It was directed to be told in... Or not to be, to... Um, what was the... Fun was Quibi? No. Quibi in 11-minute chunks. Yeah, probably. It's something, it's something like <laughs> that. 11-minute chunks. That was Quibi. It's short for Quick Bites. Oh, wow. Yeah, I... I they say that COVID was the reason it died. I, I say think, that idea was I dumb like to start with. No, COVID would have I been say, the only reason right. it would have survived. I think <laughs> COVID's the only reason it lasted as long as it did, which was like three fucking weeks is a bad idea. Fuck you. Because like, man, it's yeah. It's like Vine, but worse. It's like, <laughs> oh man, our fucking stupid ass idea to only do shit in like, yes, short, tiny little five minute bursts here and there. That really would have done better if everybody wasn't locked in their homes thirsting for something, anything to enjoy. What? Yeah. I have publicly, on this podcast, championed to be get sold the rights to Quibi. I will make something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It will be stupid, but it will turn a profit. I, <laughs> think, I will quee the bee. Do you think me, uh, me will quee an Aaron Sorkin okay. pen screenplay about the rise and fall of Quibi would you be lost a good... me an Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Fair. Uh, How's he going to have halls to walk down? That's true. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I want to point out this is produced by Deborah Hill, mm-hmm. uh, who produced a lot of things with John Carpenter. Produced Halloween. Oh. Did she keep producing the Halloweens after Carpenter back? I feel like she was um, associated with the. She got the. Uh, what is his name? Akkad or the Mufasta? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the, the the family business, because I feel like his son then continued to make Halloweens as well. Yeah. And she also gets like, because she helped produce that original, the first one, mm-hmm. she gets like, uh, you know, grandfather. Oh, is that in, what it is? Is she just like stuff? in yeah. name or she was she, she didn't really have a huge hand in the yeah, later I think films? Yeah, I think she was involved in the first two, mm-hmm. but I don't think uh, after the third one. She might have actually actively worked on the fourth Loki, I think the third one is one of the best ones. Yeah, third season was, of the witch is a completely a wild, underrated, completely batshit horror movie. It's just a wild little movie, yeah. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. That was something I wanted to talk about. Was just the nature of um, I don't know if we discussed this on the podcast or if it was just one of my like general like things I yell about. A lot of things that are like cult movies aren't 
bad movies, it's that they didn't get their audience in the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Okay. Either from bad press or just from people sleeping on it. Yeah. And then they find their audience later on. Well, yeah. That's yeah. what a cult... That's what a cult I, movie is. Right, but yeah. I yeah, mean, but The it's... Room is a cult movie, and The Room is objectively a terrible piece of right. cinema. Well... And, and Strong try. disagree. <laughs> Arguably, I The mean, Room is a fucking amazing work of art. Now, is it insane? Yes, absolutely. No one would argue that. I but think, it's fucking great. I think I'd agree with you if it if Tommy Wiseau intended well, all no, of the no, reasons why. No, no, it's better why. that he doesn't. Here's, okay, fair. It's better that he's like, he's like, it's better that he was like, we need to shoot this digital and on film at the same time. Yes, it's better that we all can tell he thought he was making a fucking Oscar movie and he was going to like, you know, break hearts and change lives. And then when it came out and he was at, the, at all the screenings because he's like, yes, let them throw praise upon me. And then everybody went, wow, this movie's fucking crazy. He went, yeah, I meant to do that. It was always supposed to be funny. Yeah. Exactly. Like the dude is a consummate, um, what's the word? Not showman, liar. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, like, I think I think that movie is legitimately great. Like, well, not even ironically, I think it's it's totally terrible. It's poorly made. It's absolutely insane. But I get it. <laughs> so also, we we read and you own the Disaster Artist, the, yeah. the, the book. Oh yeah. And uh, who is it, Dave? Greg um, Greg Sestero Greg, is Greg's, the actor, but it's yeah. the one who plays. Um, I honestly Mark? forget his name. Yes, Mark. Yeah, thank you. Mark. Yeah, he, and I believe him when he says this, he in the book says, like, yeah, I was in my acting class, and I saw this guy who was just so in it, and I wanted to be that inhibited. And Uninhibited? Well, sorry, yes, yes, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm very Virgo, God. We had a whole thing before you turned the... Thing on where I was talking about torso height. Torso height. She's discussing torso and then height. He was, and then he was talking about how he was in an open relationship with this universe. With the reality. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm in an open relationship with the reality. This right. is my main reality, right. but I'm free to experiment with right. other realities. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's the Cla- way to live Classic life. Aquarius Virgo combo of like, how the fuck does that even work? Torso height. Anyway. Yeah. Greg, Greg Sistero. Greg Sistero. Yeah. Sistero. Yeah, was just like, you know, I, I would love to be, like, this free in my art as this guy. Yeah, and it's the scene in The Disaster Artist where they do the line reading for the play in the diner, which yeah. is some of the most, like, un- well, it's intentional, but, like, it yeah. is such cringe comedy sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on such a visceral level. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's... It's why they all have what she's having thing lands mm-hmm. in When Harry Met Sally. It's, fucking... it's that whole thing of, like... Doing something in public that is—it's all the—it's all the Nathan Fielder stuff. It's it just is. Like, absolutely. It's just it like, is. do these people not realize they're in public? Like we can see you. Right. Yeah. Like you are on TV. It's not—it's not a hidden camera show. To get these kinds of like moments of like, wow, she just said that. You used to have to hide the camera. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like, hey, uh, we're recording this, and it's like, oh, okay, great. And then they're just like, mm, Google's owned by the devil, and it's like. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, you know you just said that? Like, you, you, like, you really believe this fucking fake news, half-truth nonsense, right? Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, 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 Yeah, so, I mean, like, I think that's why The Room works, is that well, the room whole, works, like, yes. balls out, like... Because just... he's, he's totally, he thought he was gonna be, um, 
uh, 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 the, the Tennessee Williams, if you were trying Ooh. to find the name, because that actually is on the poster. He's well, like with the yeah. fire and passion of Tennessee Williams. Of yeah. Tennessee Williams. So he was clearly going for streetcar, uh, name, desire, levels yeah. of what? catharsis and drama. <laughs> and what he actually did was, I got the results of the test right. back. I it's definitely, definitely have breast cancer. It's definitely cancer. Mom, don't worry about it. And then they never bring it up again. Well, yeah, she said not to worry about it, so we're not gonna. Right. He was like, oh, if I want I want to win an Oscar, the movie has to have a cancer scene. Also, I'm from Kansas. This is how we all talk in Kansas. What? What's the kid? Is it Dewey? Danny. No. Denny. Denny. Denny, yeah, with the drugs. Oh, yeah. boy. Are you buying <laughs> drugs? Are you selling drugs? Yes. Dude, movie's a little great. Bitable. Never well, lock your doors. I just like, I just like watching you guys. Having long, gauzy sex scenes with your uncomfortable wife. Just long, close-up shots of Tommy Wiseau ass. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Wiseau's Soft weird humping, little chiseled uh... Iggy Pop body. <laughs> chiseled, yet also leathery. Yeah. Leathery. Drinking scotchka. My favorite thing in that whole movie, and like I, I could do a whole, horrible. I would absolutely do an episode on the room because I think it's actually good, and I could argue this. But my favorite detail is that they order a very elaborate pizza order, and yet when the pizza shows up, it is just a plain pizza. And I'm like, <laughs> why did you make that choice? Yeah, like why? <laughs> I don't remember what it is. It's like half peppers it's, and it's onions. Half and, something, half something. Yeah, it's else. two very weird halves, and then when it shows up, they're just eating a plain pizza, and I'm just like, you spent like two minutes, like. In front of the camera while it was well, recording, giving this very specific order. My f- that the halves were symbolic of their different. Of course, <laughs> see that's you got to read deeper but then into also, it. Also, the budget was what it was. So the first thing that I have like written down as like besides just like uh, the house is called Hill House, which I found to be interesting. Yeah, you it, know, that feels like, like a very odd. Landis. It feels like a very Landis thing to be like, oh, we'll call it Hill House. Oh, okay. Also, I'm pretty sure the the most of that film, like, the mansion is a mansion. is like a real place. I could be wrong about that. I think it was so, a real place except for the ballroom. Opposite the Imdaba, most of these are sound stages, with the exception of the ballroom was actually oh, shot Oh, okay, my bad. In I had mixed ballroom. it up. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, but that's really? also, I knew the ballroom was separate yeah. Because from... the exterior is definitely fake. Mm-hmm. It uh, looks like Camelot like, at in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh yeah, yeah. There's the, like matte paintings. Yes, and, yeah. Sure. Uh, for all, a lot of the exterior shots, but that could just be compositing like a real location with a different location yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But and you know have to animate in lightning. But uh, before yeah, we so move on, lightning. I do want to say that I think um, the way they lay out the mansion and the way it's very, it's always you're always fully aware of where you are in the layout of the house yeah. is like a very big strong suit well, to the movie. It uh, is supposed to be mimicking like the, game board, the right? board. Yeah. Right. The layout of the board and in fact the hall having like that parquet flooring is supposed to be reminiscent of the game board And the secret yeah. passageways yeah. and the yeah. secret passageways, yeah, link the rooms that it actually links on the board game too. That's the that's, same rooms in the at film. At least they kept yeah. those details right. and like. Well, would it be a would it be an adaption of Clue if they didn't? Right, right. at exactly. that point right. you're just putting right. the name you, of a property onto a that, thing. But that then the the then, Super Mario Brothers yeah. movie exists. Yes. Very true, and yeah. in the same time or period, right? Yeah. Kind of love. Yeah, I also don't dislike the Super Mario Brothers. It's a fever dream. It's fine as a it's fine as a movie. I mean, it's like a weird 
gross, weird, weird movie, movie, but yeah. it's not an adaptation of the game. Oh at all. no, not at no. all. Yeah, Except in right. name only, like it's like you're right. It's got that yeah. it's like these guys soundtrack. are named Mario. They're and Italian Mario. and they're yes. plumbers. Yes, yeah. that British, hey. that British forty-year-old man, <laughs> and that Hispanic twenty-year-old man are brothers who are named Mario and Luigi Mario. Yeah. Everybody yeah. walk the dinosaur. All right, let's get let's get this operation back on track. Um, All right. But yeah, so the first the first thing that I have written down is like a line is yes. when Miss uh, Mrs. White is talking about her five previous husbands and she's like, I like my husbands like Kleenex, oh, yeah. strong, dependable, and disposable. Yeah, strong, soft, and disposable. <laughs> That's strong, it, yeah. soft, and disposable. Yes. Yeah. You're right. A lot of the jokes, a lot of the one-liners are, are set-ups for later. Like the, well, my husband just lies on his back all day in the dinner scene. And obviously, yeah. I'll, I'll say this as an aside real quick. The opening is just all the characters coming in one by one, being introduced, and then they go eat dinner. And at yeah. dinner is the first moment where you start to get the sense of the tempo and the, the line reading and the asides. Because Eileen Brennan does this amazing bit about um, filling like the empty space and... Uh, I think Christopher Lloyd's character goes like, are you afraid of silence? And she just goes, yes. Wait, what? No, no. Why? And it's just, that's where you start to, the the movie starts to pick up and you realize that it's just going to be this one liner after one liner with all these people, the dynamic going back and forth. Uh, So this is the, this is the cast for the the beginning. Uh, Wadsworth, the butler is Tim Curry. Yvette, the maid is Colleen Camp. Colonel Mustard is Martin Mull. Miss Peacock is Eileen Brennan. Miss White Madeline Kahn, Mr. Green's Michael McKeon, uh, Professor Plum is Christopher Lloyd, and Miss Scarlet is Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, eventually, when he shows up, Mr. Body, as we mentioned, is Lee Ving, and um, then we have the the cook who is has one line of dialogue and is promptly murdered. Yeah. Dinner will be ready at seven thirty. The whole thing where they're all sitting awkwardly in silence, slurping soup, uh, awkwardly all like kind of not meeting each other's eyes. Uh, you know, they they. They're having trouble, like, starting... Con- they don't break the ice, you know, like... Right. And then, yeah, Eileen Brennan is just like, oh, I'm just keep talking. And it, to the point yeah. where everybody stops eating and is just, like, looking, <laughs> like, watching her go. There are multiple uh, moments yeah. in this movie, even later in the movie, where someone's doing something and then the camera cuts to a number of other characters that are just staring kind of slack-jawed at the person doing the thing, and I feel like it hits every single time that happens. I feel like it's a lot like if anybody was going to do an escape the room, but with an assorted group. Yeah, that's fair. Except there's actual murder here. Right, and one right. of you is on <laughs> cocaine, right? <laughs> well, Eileen Brennan actually was coming off of... Um, rehabbing uh, painkiller addiction from a car accident oh, she had had. This was like yes. her first role yeah. in really? like, I think a year or two. Oh, wow. And apparently she was, the other cast members in the, and I'm, a lot of times when I'm talking about quotes or interviews, it's to a BuzzFeed um, retrospective that was written in 2013 about the film that has quotes from like everybody. Um, Christopher Lloyd had mentioned that Eileen Brennan was like struggling to just be, like upright present. and like present because of the the like withdrawals and like the pain she was still dealing with from the car accident that That's had happened wild. and the painkiller addiction. Yeah, she I had. didn't realize that. Also, another casting what if Carrie Fisher was originally oh. supposed to be 
I don't remember if it was Miss Scarlet or Mrs. Was, White. I thought it was Miss Scarlet, but I might and be mistaken. Jonathan Lynn tells a story about going to meet her at, at, at lunch to talk about it, and she's, like, sniffling the whole time and says she has hay fever, and she was in rehab at the time for cocaine and had said that, oh, I'll just come during the day and go back to rehab at night, and Jonathan Lynn apparently was so naive that he was like, oh, this is fine. And then Deborah um, Hill who Jonathan Lynn says was also doing a lot of cocaine at the time, was like, yes, this is fine. And then the studio was like, what? No, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. That's yeah. ridiculous. So they had to go on from that. I um, mean, good call. I agree, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that in there, because that's, for how good the cast is, there's some crazy what-ifs that they were like looking at. Like oh, Tim totally. Curry, I don't remember who they were looking at before him, but Tim Curry was like their third choice for, yeah, uh, for Wadsworth. you're right. It was uh, at least one or two other people. Hang on. Jonathan Lynn stated that he... Okay, his original choice for Wadsworth was Leonard Rossiter. Don't know. Ro- Go ahead. Uh, most famous for the role of Rigsby in Rising Damp. He was also in Barry Lyndon. He had um, already appeared but, in Barry Lyndon at that point. But he passed away in 1984 just prior to production. He was followed by Rowan Atkinson. Yes, who, who, was well who, the, Britain, who the studio balked at because but, Mr. Bean hadn't happened yet, so he right. was a non-entity in America, and the studio was right. more fine with Curry because even though he wasn't like super established, he had Rocky Horror, so right. he, he, was a ca- he had cash, right? right? Like, and right. Jonathan Lynn had known Tim Curry since they were teenagers. Yes, so also true. So it was also just that they were close boarding school chums yeah. if you will sure. teenage tim curry yeah could you, you imagine Im- i was about to say could you imagine i can't i, can't. I really can't i can't imagine what he was like he just seems like an adult all the yeah. time like everything i you know he just seems like a perpetual adult when uh miss scarlet and professor plum are like both approaching the uh you know the mansion yeah. uh, miss scarlet's car breaks down Professor Plum picks her up, gives her a ride, right. and um, when they get there, his, you know, he stops the car. She goes, "Why is the car stopped?" She goes, "It's scared." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is great. Uh, I also wrote down uh, Colonel Mustard. After they've been there for like a minute, um, starts really like, you know, I, I, sort of Teddy Roosevelting. Yeah, um, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna run things here, and he's like, "What do you do?" Like, <laughs> Wadsworth's like, "I bottle, sir." Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I take I mean, care. I keep the the kitchen, the kitchen and, and the, the dining yeah. room tidy. But I just like I buttle, sir. <laughs> He's like, I'm the butler. He's like, what do you do? I buttle, sir. Oh, Colonel Mustard asking Miss Scarlet, do you like Kipling? And she yeah. says, Yeah, I'll eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's a great line. Um, I I do love uh, the slurping you mentioned, and it's specifically two characters. It's just um, Mrs. White, Mrs. White, and, and Professor, Professor Plum. Plum. And talking about callbacks and the way Mrs. White in this scene says, my husband lies on his back all day, and you find out later it's because he's lying on his back in his coffin. Um, when Wadsworth is describing the night at the end of the film, and he and he's in the dining room, it's like, and you were here, and Mr. Green was here, and Mrs. White was here, and you were there, you were there, you were there. He only slurps for the two people who are slurping. It's just like a <laughs> yeah. nice attention to detail that happens. Yeah. Oh yeah, he runs like super accurately through mm-hmm. the events. He basically does like he the note taking Mike- for us. Yeah, he yeah. does a great Michael McKean impression. Yeah, and that's why I didn't take a whole lot of notes because I was just like, well, they recap everything at the end of it anyways. I do have a note that says, pours whiskey like an asshole. Uh, uh, it's Colonel Mustard, I 
Yeah, no, it's Colonel Mustard after um after they decide to have drinks in the library after like multiple people have been murdered. He's like, Well, I need a drink. Need Does a anybody drink. want one? He pours and himself, he pours a himself and one and he goes asks, like yeah. Yeah, asks, does anyone want one? And, like, one person says yes, and he just pours three whiskeys all at once with the whiskey spilling out onto the table. I love it yeah, so much. Yeah, it's a big decanter, yep. so it's just, like, sloshing out everywhere. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the, the the opening is that Mr. Wh- Body comes last in the dinner scene, and he's mysterious as well, but he's, like, sinister. He's, like grabbing a vet the maid and right. seemingly he, and he looks being, like leaving and yeah because he because he is leaving <laughs> born like and raised in philadelphia pennsylvania yeah. by the way oh yeah welcome back to the program leaving he was on previous episode flash dance oh, incredible uh, nice. where we credited him as yeah secret philadelphian leaving because fear is a west coast punk band so most yeah. people associate them with la yeah, uh, he just looks like a total creep, and um, yeah, there's a absolutely. lot of questions as to who the host is, and Tim Curry's playing very coy, and, you know, everybody's going, oh, anybody it's Mr. Like, Body. Would anybody yeah. like fruit or dessert? So this, the dinner, I always remember, the way they do it, it doesn't ever feel like there's an edit where, like, oh, time has passed, and the dinner is, like, seven minutes. Yeah. Um, and they go back to the study to explain what's going on, or why they're here, and... Um, Tim Curry explains that all of them are being blackmailed, and this is where the, like, meat to the the Clue board game, um, like, premise, or, like, frame, where they add their own original spin, and it's that um, all of them are being blackmailed, all of them are from Washington, are either working government jobs or doing things in Washington associated with the government. Right, and they're they're all being blackmailed, so they're all in some sort of, like, potential trouble. Yes. Right. Um... And, like, some things are, like, uh, state secret related. And I have, I have a list of them. I was going like, to say, I can run down them if yeah, you want. Yeah, and some things are, like, uh, it's a taboo. Yeah. Like, yes. that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, go ahead. So, Mrs. White is uh, the wife of a nuclear physicist who's gone, who was found murdered with his head cut off and his penis chopped off. And that's one of five... Yes. Or five former four other four other husbands who all disappeared, and obviously the implication is that she murdered them all. Uh, Professor Plum is a former psychiatrist who had an affair with one of his patients. Uh, Colonel Mustard is a former war colonel who is a war profiteer who was stealing uh, airplane parts and selling them on the black market. Um, Mr. Although Green, you don't get to that like when he's first right. discussed. It he seems denies like he it. might also just. Be there because he frequents. Oh yes, um, the brothel for, right, and that exactly. leads into Miss Scarlet is the head of a brothel and a f- an escort service, a madam uh, in Washington D.C. Um, Mister Madam is such a good Tim Curry word. Yes, Absolutely. he doesn't really do it in this, but like madam, like it's very like you just chew that word. Mister Green works for the State Department and is a homosexual uh, who is not ashamed of of or uh, or disgusted by who he is, but has to keep it a secret on a security grounds or he will lose his job. Thank you. Um, uh, who am I missing? Mrs. Peacock is the wife of a senator who's been taking bribes from a foreign power uh, to buy lobbyists, or to buy votes uh, from for nefarious reasons. And uh, am I forgetting anyone? And Mr. Body. Yes. Mr. Body, who you don't know who he is or what he's doing there when he's introduced and his sinister kind of like no there's a, they vibe. do a really interesting thing where they have a lot of uh, not a lot there's probably four or five lines of dialogue from off screen yes, when, when Tim Curry is... leaves the room to go let him in um, which like 
I mean, maybe it was different in a theater, but, like, you know, if you're watching it at home, like, you could miss some of it. But it's just, you know, it's him immediately being like, well, I don't fucking want to be here. Mm-hmm. And Tim yeah. Curry being like, well, the doors are locked, sir. And, you know, I have the key. And he's like, what's in your bag? It was surprises, you know, like. Yeah. And all that happens before he actually makes his entrance into the, you know, dining room where they all actually meet him. And the camera never leaves the dining room. So you just hear that and you see them all reacting to it. Uh, and then, yeah, later when he, when he's like, let's, I'm going to go into my bag, you know, and I have something for all of you, I have gifts. Uh, and with their little black boxes with purple, uh, ribbon. ribbon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually mentioned, I mentioned the movie already once, but it reminded me again of House on a Hill, the remake, um, where they aren't all given different weapons, but all the characters are given guns in like a coffin and they're all in boxes that are in smaller coffins. It just had... Similar energy to that. I don't know why it reminded me of that. Bringing back that like, the horror um, movie energy. Chris Kattan. One? Yes, and uh, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, and... I saw that. One. I think I saw that in theaters, but I haven't seen it since. I'm not going to say it's like a classic or anything, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. I remember liking it. I just never watched it again. It had like uh, weird, like stop motiony effects. Yeah, in that's the, right? the creepiest parts of it, and also obviously Reanimator. Um, Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs has a pretty memorable oh, small Combs role in it. In it. Yeah, he's a uh, he has a fairly small role. All things considered, but fun little movie. Yeah, for um, for some reason, despite having bo- seen both of them the exact same number of times, which is Uno, uh, I remember the haunting way more. Yeah, which is way worse in my opinion. Yeah, I can't be better. <laughs> can't be better. <laughs> it's like it's such a mediocre movie. So when they are taken back to the study for Brandy and. Uh, forget the other term well, what would they go back for but he won he says can i interest anybody in fruit and dessert and i love this moment where after it's come out that like mr body's just kind of sinister and the vibes are totally off at the dinner well he's the blackmail right yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly um eileen brennan they, they cut from tim curry going would anybody like fruit or dessert eileen brennan just looks completely disgusted and does this little nudge of her plate away from herself and I just love that little moment. And then they obviously they go back to the study and start explaining why they're all here. And that's where it all comes out that they're being blackmailed. Right. And the you're revelation, all here because you're all being blackmailed. And yeah. the revelation is like, haven't you guessed? He's the one who's blackmailing you in regards to Mr. Body. And hijinks. And from there, the movie really Hi-jinx picks up. Hijinks yeah. and Stu. And so the gifts that he gave them uh, are the famous Clue weapons. Uh, so you have what? The noose, uh, the dagger. So, Miss Scarlet oh. got the candlestick. Okay. Miss White got the rope. Uh, Mr. Green got the pipe. Professor Plum got the revolver. Colonel Mustard got the wrench. And Miss Peacock got the knife. Yep. Important details. Yes. And then they all kind of drop them, and it, like the weapons are like get moved around a bit throughout the film, and who has the weapon and stuff. Um, what does Mr. What does Colonel Mustard get? Carl Mustard received the... The wrench. Oh, wrench. the wrench, yep. that's right. Because I, I like... He's sitting on the couch next to Professor Plum, and he opens it, and it's, you know... It's Maul being like, Ugh, this big fucking wrench. Like, and he's selling <laughs> it all with his face, and he looks over, and Professor Plum, which is, you know, Christopher Lloyd, also, welcome back to the podcast, Christopher Lloyd, most recently, uh, having appeared in Food Fight. Oh, yeah. well, classic. right. Oh. Terrible. Um, but yeah, and it looks over Christopher Lloyd has just like got this pistol and he just looks at Martin Mullen and he's like, I don't, what? What is <laughs> Why this? do I have this gun? <laughs> like, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's a very fun, like, 
it would kind of be fun to remake this movie, but make it really... <laughs> it would be kind of fun to make it like Saw, right? Just straight up, just like fully, like there is no, there's no jokes. No, it's no just jokes. Completely no played, jokes. It's just not murder. just played straight, but played sinister and like right. unhinged. Yes, fully. Yeah. You get a bunch of like that level character actors, like faces. Donnie you Wahlberg. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> yes, like oh, perfect. Eugene Cordero. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Pillboy. He's Pillboy. From, oh. Uh, yeah. Good place. Yeah, Thank like get you. people who you like. I know that guy's face, but I don't, you know, necessarily know them. Yeah. And yes, give them all like they don't even have to be named like Miss Scarlet or Miss. Like they could, but you could also, you know, like make it one more step removed and yeah. whatever. Right. Mister um, Chartreuse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Professor Lavender. Like whatever. Yeah. Comrade you know. Periwinkle. Or do the same thing and be like, oh, we're gonna use aliases. Like. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then just, they're, they're all given one weapon. Like. I love it. It could work. And then you just get fucking, the uh, uh, Tobin Bell. Yeah. You want to play a game? I'd like to play a game. <laughs> I have, I have a cup. It's, uh, it's either Battleship or Clue. <laughs> or Clue. That's all I've got. Either he's alive or he's dead. The cops got him or they don't. <laughs> that's not. That's no, from, that's Reservoir Dogs, yeah, but they also had color-based pseudonyms. Er, yeah, yeah that's yep. true. Is Reservoir Dogs a remake? Is the remake of Clue that it's, we were all yeah, actually talking about here? Yeah, so, like, uh, the thing about Clue is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually just listened to a podcast with Quentin Tarantino on it, and I love Quentin Tarantino, but he is extremely insufferable to listen to in podcast form. He just cuts himself off and goes on asides, and then stutters, and then pauses. He's... He's got a weird brain. He's got a weird Agreed. brain, but also, like, and this isn't, I'm not casting aspersions, like, the dude clearly did a lot of, like, uppers, uppers. at a formative time in his life, so that's just yeah. how he is now forever wired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and, like, you know, that's just how he's gonna be forever. Like, yeah, man, I, you know, like, he just worked in a movie... Movie uh, uh, store and was just like, oh yeah, it's it's in LA. We'll just do a bunch of coke and stay up all night watching movies. And anytime somebody rents a porno, we do a bump. But my favorite (laughs) thing, uh, my favorite thing, Quentin Tarantino, like as a as a personality, ever did was um, he was on the Late Show with Craig uh, Ferguson, Mm -hmm. and at the time, Craig Ferguson was doing a bit where he had a bowl of fruit and he would offer his guests fruit. It's there's no there's no joke there's no he was just like there's like some fruit. And it was just like this elaborate bowl of fruit and bananas and mangoes and apples and all kinds of shit. And so he, he just, you know, did this for everybody for like months at a time. And he did it to Quentin Tarantino. And he goes, uh, Quentin, we have to take a commercial break. Would you like some fruit? He goes, I would love fruit! <laughs> 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 like enthusiastic anybody's ever been for About fruit. About fruit. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny and like charming. That's funny. So, after all the weapons have been introduced, uh, Mr. Body explains why he gave them the weapons. He said, Wadsworth has set it up so that they're all confronting Mr. Body, who's been blackmailing them, and they can, they have all this evidence here, and the police are coming, and they can present the evidence to the police, and Mr. Body will be arrested, and it'll all be okay, and Mr. Body gives the spiel that, oh, Wadsworth said he'd only give us the key to the locked door over his dead body, let's do it, shuts the light off. Right. With all the people says, with weapons. Like, if the police come and they take me away, all of your secrets will be exposed. So In the interest of us all staying right. discreet. But if we all if if we, you know, turn the lights off and we kill Wadsworth, then the you know, the secrets all die here. Yeah, and then also who can say who actually did it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a victimless crime. Like punching someone in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so obviously that's where the first the first murder occurs in air quotations. Uh, yeah. The light comes back on after a gunshot has gone off and Mr. Body is well, ostensibly dead on the ground. It's a lot of sounds. It's like yeah. a shriek and a thump. There's like a groan. And, yep. Like yeah. an <gasps> And yeah. then the gunshot is like the last thing before the scream and the light goes back on. Yeah. Um, I also think Eileen Brennan might go, oh God, like it, like at the beginning of the... Yeah, it's it's several different... I didn't actually write down all the different sounds, but no, there, are, yeah. there are a series a of lot. sounds. And then a gunshot, and, and then, then the light goes shot. on, and Dr. Body is on the ground. Somewhere in there, uh, <laughs> Wadsworth is like, they're doing the, the you know, peppy dialogue thing, and Wadsworth is, uh, says the line, that double negative has led to a proof positive. Which yes. is like so good. Uh, it's incredible. And then, oh. like, or double negative? You mean you have photographs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's like the sideway, the windy dialogue. It's or so um, good. also yeah, another point it, in that was moment. Was it Scarlet? Because she does a lot of that. Of like, you know, well, I didn't say I didn't this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone's probably. talking about the what they're being blackmailed for, and a couple yeah. of people deny what they're being blackmailed for. And Leslie Ann Warren's character, Miss Scarlet, goes. Uh, I am being blackmailed, but I did what I'm being blackmailed for. It is very defiantly, like, proudly, like, I run an escort service. I'm a madame. And that leads to a, a, one of my favorite bits, because Christopher Lloyd's character, we haven't mentioned yet, Professor Plum is the epitome of a hornball. He is oh, yeah. so horny the whole movie. Miss Scarlet goes, I happen to run a, yeah. a telephone service and a hotel for gentlemen where they can rent... Uh, a lovely woman for an hour or two. And Professor Plum goes, oh yeah? Pulls a notebook out yeah. of his pocket and goes, what's the number? I just yeah. love that line so much. What's that phone number? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, are we supposed to say everybody's working out of D.C.? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah, and, that's, and that revelation came up during it, the dinner. Is it yeah. Mr. Green is the first one to be like, I know you? Yeah, because yes. um, Miss Peacock plays her hand too hard where she goes, I just completely got blanked. Um, um, she um, says... Uh, the wife of a yeah. Blank. Naturally, the, it's it's the role of the wife of a blank to you know, hold on. Being the yeah, I don't think she specifically says senator. It might just no, be she no. She stops. No, she says no, wife she of a. But she says it's the role of me to to, to be you know the head of a or like start a conversation with a group of new friends when you're the wife of a. Well, wait, right, we're not supposed right, to right. talk sure. about who we are, and then. Uh, Mr. Green looks up from slurping his soup and goes, I know who you are. And it's yeah. just a very Ooh, fun so line weaselly. read. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So weaselly. Well, and I mean, like, in none of the endings is he ever the one that did it. And in fact, in the last one, he's, like, part of the fuzz. Like, yeah. he's, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's an agent. Yes, whatever. Mr. Green is a plant. Yes. I thought oh. they called people like uh -huh. you a fruit. Yeah. Very yeah. funny. Yeah. A great line. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the 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 only thing that's like mildly in modern day that you you might be like, oh, are some of the home the the gay jokes. But honestly, the way Mr. Green's kind of presented, even though in the end, if you go by the last jo the last ending being canon, he's not actually gay. Right. The way he's presented is like a proud gay man yeah. who is not at all ashamed of who he is, and it's like a pretty... Right, he just can't be out at work because, for whatever... Because right, and it's... Of the it's cultural the climate. And it's totally yeah. believable yeah. that every other character well, in the 50s would be, like, kind of disgusted or the jokey, like, reactions or, like, the... Yeah, and there's Christopher Lloyd's like... character stepping up from the couch when he sits down after tell saying that he's gay and just he gets up and moves somewhere else. Yeah, like the... yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a shot, uh, I don't remember what scene it's in, but... Um, 
where Yvette, the maid, is, like, leaning in uh, and talking to them, and Miss Scarlet is, like, just staring directly at her chest, and uh, Mr. Green is, like, looking straight ahead, like, not <laughs> not engaging. And it's, it's just a really good, like, visual gag uh, for that. And then, yeah, at the end, he's like, I'm going to go home and have sex with my oh, wife, and that's, like, the hard outline. Yeah. Yep. Take him away, Chief. It's ridiculous. I also like that that's the canon ending, too. Yeah, right? That's the one that starts with, this is how it really happened. Yep. <laughs> right. Not like, oh, it could have been this, or maybe it was this. It's like, yeah. eh, this is the real one. Yeah. He's like, take him away, Chief. And any re-airings or in any of the, like, um, media releases, like DVD, VHS, whatever. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, the ending C was the definitive ending. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the movie... Would not it doesn't I've never seen it actually like in theatrical like one of the endings only being the ending but I imagine that having seen the way it was in home release, um, the three endings is the way the movie's supposed to be. It works the best the way it's structured the way like it's very zany and then it's like of course there'd be three different endings because it's based on a board game. Yeah, I can't imagine the movie being that satisfying it's... going and only getting one of the three endings when they kind of build on each other. I feel like right and yeah. That's the thing, uh, being, you know, created in the early 80s and released in 85, right? Yes, yes. 85. Yeah. Like, home video wasn't yet a thing that you had to really reckon with. This is like the era of home video. This is like... Yeah. Um, so, I think that's the biggest sour note for the movie, is that, like, you have multiple endings, which is, like, so weird and interesting and unique, but you don't have enough. Like, you don't have, like we said, like, one for every... Right. possible outcome which would have been great i feel like you, if yeah, you did that you'd have to cut seems... you'd have to cut like at least 20 to 30 minutes uh, i don't know people three... will sit there and watch like three hours of all those spider-man like, and... again yeah two and a half hours seemed like undoable in the yeah. 80s no i mean but it's I, I, now like yeah kind i do get of, the norm yeah, yeah. right yeah. i do get that but it and like but it was yeah even it. even doing the three endings this was like an hour 34 yeah, yeah. that's not bad no no it's not yeah. No, the movie zips along, and like we were talking about earlier, it's because there's, uh, like, ten jokes every minute. Yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how long... If you did three more endings, right, for the three other... How long would that possibly be? I mean, let's say add, add another seven minutes to each ending, at most. Some of them probably could be shorter. You don't, yeah. And not every ending has to have the same beats no, the way the three did originally. Especially yeah. right? once like, you've established, like, that we're doing worth this. running around going, yes. like, and we go over here, and then we did this, and then you did that, like... They so even abridge it throughout those they do. three. The the cutoff is when he shuts off the lights, but also so it didn't it's mean not to startle three more; you. it's four more. Because oh, it true. was yeah, Scarlet yeah. Peacock. That's still twenty eight minutes. That's not that yeah. bad. Yeah, it would still, less than two hours. Yeah, or about it would, two hours. It would squeak in under two hours. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think is like a huge ask. Yeah, I mean, it might, especially because in theaters it, it wasn't going to run that long. It right, might also be that they may have cut things that would have uh, cast more like, um, uh, like guilt. Yeah, guilt or innocence Suspicion. on other people. Yeah, because you know, yeah, you have to make it so that like any of these are plausible, and so there might have been other things that were cut to streamline to just fit these three endings. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. so well, like the having enough stuff in there to make more endings work would have made one the of, whole thing longer yeah. maybe one of those yeah. moments being where you have to, you can't be quite sure is when a vet is murdered um the killer's voice is heard and it's in like a hushed whisper where like did anybody recognize you yeah and in the endings mrs white kills her in the third ending but 
Mrs. Peacock kills her in the second, and Miss Scarlet kills her in the first. So you can't ever be like, well, that's definitively or like One even even remotely right. close. Because when you after you realize who it is in any of the endings, you think back to that moment. And you're like, that's not any of those actors speaking. Like it's right. deliberately obtuse. Because there are certain moments in the movie where they have to like. Another one being the person missing at the billiard scene. I know for a fact everyone is in that scene. Like, I've thought about, like, the way they shoot that because a different person is missing in every single one of those endings. So they... Right. There's no way to do that where you're like, oh, that's clever. Like, so there's holes you can poke in the film because of the the structure of it. But I think that stuff's very not that... Like, very hidden or not super noticeable up front that you can... Just let it slide by. Yeah, I think and be if fine you, with it. If you wrote it to have six endings, then you could fudge like when certain murders were committed. Right. That kind of thing. Like and the other thing to do it too is to have multiple people recounting things and having different details change so then it becomes even more like subjective as to what exactly happened. It's a game of yeah. telephone. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, welcome back. Sorry. Uh, we had to take a break. Uh, we've been having some beers. We had to sort of scrabble around in the bathroom. But, you know, it's life. It's a risk. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm cutting all that out. All right. You think you're editing this? I might be. Really? Because I'm pretty sure I have a monopoly on editing this stuff. <laughs> Why has there not been a Monopoly movie? Because it it's boring. It's just, it's just real estate. I've bought, you, I've bought Boardwalk Avenue. Yeah, it's just like 1% the movie. <laughs> so, Mr. Body's dead, and they are all confused about how he's dead because there's no bullet wound. Yeah. Even though the gun went off and they assumed that he had been shot. And, uh... Professor Plum had the gun. Mm-hmm. So, immediately, suspicion is on him, and he's like, no, 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 somebody tried to take it from me in the dark. Which then, might apply to the grunt or some of the sounds you heard. There's, yeah. You know, there's plausibility in, in the thing being uh, the way he said. And they do, they find that, uh, oh, it shattered a vase on the mantle and there's a bullet hole in the wall behind it. And they're still trying to figure out how he died and uh, Miss Peacock is in shock and goes over to drink some brandy and they're like, maybe the brandy was poison. Oh, God, this is Which so funny. also, um... <laughs> Her, she drops this glass. I love that it doesn't break. Because it's on carpet. Right. I just like that, you know, in most, especially comedies, like, you'd be like, oh, something breaks. It's great. Everybody likes that. Right. right. I like that it doesn't break, but it's just her being like, ah, ah. Like, she's just like, will not stop yelling. Which, yeah. Like, to the point where they have to walk her to a fainting couch and sit her down, and she's just screaming the whole time. And that's when Mr. Green slaps her. I had to stop her from screaming. I and I think my favorite screaming. moment from that is, like, well, they were like, or Colonel Muster goes, well, was the brandy poison? They're like, I guess we'll never know because it's empty in the glass. They're like, unless she dies too, and then everyone just looms over Mrs. Peacock while she's in, like, a shocked state. It's so good. And then Yvette yells from the other room, screams, they all run, and they're, you know, they're like, what happened? And she's like, you know, she's like, I'm in here with the murderer. And she's like, they're like, who is it? She's like, I don't know, one of you. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I was listening. <laughs> I was listening the whole time. Like, well, why did you scream? Yeah, and she's you, like, you said well, the brandy was poisoned. I also had the brandy. Yeah, it's great. It's like, it's really funny and weird. And you, you kind of are just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I believe somebody might react like that. And I think we might have missed it. Um, I believe the cook is shown as being murdered before they 
meet up with a vet. I think she's already been revealed to have been stabbed in the back in the kitchen. Like, they run out there, and I'm trying to remember oh, I the sequence. The, I thought that vet yelling was after the brandy, but before they investigated the rest of the house and found the cook. It, it might be, oh, but I wait. do remember that I Mr. Body I mean, is like revealed. You've seen this wrong more more than I. So right. I, yeah. Um, Mr. Body is revealed as being fully dead. I know that Yvette's evolved because it, it, there's a nice little side. Just I feel like half of the rest of this podcast is going to be re, retelling lines where uh, Miss Peacock goes, "I need to powder my nose." Do you know where the little girls' room is? And Yvette goes, "Uh, we, oui, Madame," and points like out the door, and she just goes, "No, I just, I just need to powder, powder my, my nose. nose." And that's when she goes to open the bathroom, and Mr. Body now fully dead is, like, attacking her because he's standing up like Frankenstein right. with his arms out. Um, um, I believe that when Mrs. Peacock screams, you don't hear the cook screaming because Oh, oh in the, They say okay, that you're later, right? right? They, yeah. do, they yeah. do go later because that's how um, Wadsworth describes that the reason why you don't hear the cook being murdered is because, because Miss Peacock, Peacock is, screaming is screaming about, about the, brandy. the brandy. Yes. That's right. Um, I forgot yeah. about that. So they go to get... Uh, to the kitchen and then they decide to bring the body back and that's when Mrs. Mr. Body's body is gone. They're bringing the the cook back yeah. and they drop the cook's dead body in the doorway and that's another thing God, I wanted to point so out. Funny. There are at least three or four moments in this movie where the comedic joke is two people trying to go through a, a space yeah. that's too small for both of them or for multiple people and it yeah. happens multiple times throughout the movie and it's, it, I it, think... Uh, is it, it Yvette and Mr. Green in the attic? Oh, yeah, it's a vet and Mr. Yeah. Green in the attic. Mr. Scarlet and uh, Colonel Mustard in the billiards room trying to get out of the bar where he goes oh, ladies yeah. first. And she goes no and then goes anyway. And they're like, it's like a 10 second sequence where they're trying to squeeze through. Yeah, them, like, yeah squeezing through, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they see that Mr. Body's gone and then you get the bit where Mrs. Peacock goes to the bathroom. It's discovered that Mr. Body is now... If he was not dead before, which obviously he wasn't, he's dead now, he's been brained, he's got blood now on his head the way he hadn't before. That leads to the great moment of uh, Tim Curry going, I'm not shouting, okay, I'm shouting, I'm shouting, and the candlestick hits him on the head. Falls off the, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, and we get to the point where we've got two dead bodies, everyone is completely uh, untrusting of everyone else, and that's when things start to kick open kick up into like third gear because there's a sequence where obviously um more characters are introduced you have the motorist you have the cop you have the singing telegram girl and they're all introduced kind of slow drip over like 10 to 15 minutes but they all die in like a 15 second sequence when the power goes out after they've all split up the the driver his car uh, apparently breaks down he asks if he can use the phone Mm -hmm. and they lock him in one of the rooms. The yeah. study. Is the study. I think. And, uh, yeah, he's in there f- for a while. You kind of forget he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then, a little bit later, the cop shows up, and then, like, when <laughs> when the, that whole sequence is happening where, like, okay, he gets hit, killed, the cop gets killed, while that's happening, the doorbell rings again, and it's the singing telegram who immediately gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, Jane Wideland from The Go-Go's. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize Yeah, I that. forgot about that. Uh, and she's like, I'm your singing telegram. Bam. <laughs> just like immediately I shot. I am your singing, singing telegram. telegram. Boom. Yeah, shot. Done. Yeah. And then I like, you know, a little bit later when they're like, oh, the cop's dead. Oh, you know, this guy's dead. There's so many dead bodies now. 
And they're like, well, the killer must have fled out the front door. They opened the front door. <laughs> She's dead. She's just like, dead there, too. <sighs> just yeah. kind of like another one. Like, and oh. they close the door again. They don't bring her in until no. like another five or ten minutes later. <laughs> they just look at her and then close the door again. Also, that reminds me, when they're introducing these newer people, Mr. Green has like gone rogue and is like, I didn't do it. I'm going to answer the door. And he answers the door, sees the cop, and then immediately shuts the door again before opening it. And... <laughs> Just the just the the way in which um, that whole sequence goes because there's a cop now and they're all extremely nervous because there's dead bodies, and that leads to the oh, they're the so bit. unchill too. Yeah. Yes, they're all extremely suspicious, and then they lock him in, and then they unlock him, but they've set up a tour of the house in which most of the the party guests are trying to use the dead bodies. It as looks like, like an people, old they're seventies key party. It's a makeout yes. party. It's a makeout yeah. party. They're all just <laughs> and they're using the the dead motorist and the the uh, the cook in 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 Mister Body and Mister Body as like people they're like ostensibly all making out with and it, it leaves this sweet visual gag that I love where you see from the cops' perspective in the uh, first room they're in in the I don't even the lounge I guess is what they call it Colonel Mustard and Mrs Peacock with the 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 cook in between them and you see it, it looks sort of believable from the cop's perspective and they cut to a sideway view yeah, of mrs peacock, peacock just reaching, side view reaching through the curtain yes yeah. and she just lets out this little like ah, and it's <laughs> so good yeah also that leads obviously to the there's nothing illegal going on here when tim curry's like yeah. what tim curry's like it's america isn't. yeah it's like oh it's like what's the land of the free i didn't know we were that free yeah <laughs> yeah it's great uh yeah, his whole deal. Like when they first walk, they're like, "Oh, you can uh, answer the phone in um, uh, the study." No, oh. the and they like, it's just, they're so suspicious. It's yeah. great. It's, it's, it's like the door shutting, and they're both they're like the people are standing like yeah. posing in front of the door, like they're being trying to be natural. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's great. Uh, he's like, you know, you know, like, Mister Body. Who? Nobody. No, there's nobody. In nobody the in the study. study. Like, yeah. But you can use the library. God, so good. Um, so, you know, all the zany stuff's happening, and they split up to search the house because they're not sure. Oh, I needed to point this out too: the very um, Abbott and Costello esque moment between Colonel Mustard and uh, Wadsworth, where Colonel Mustard wants to know if there's anyone else in the house, and Tim oh, Curry the, keeps who's going. First thing. No yes, it's yes. a very no meaning yes. Are are you saying yes that there's suspicion, or there yes there's other people in the house? Neither. Both. Wait, what's the question? Um, that whole sequence is so good because I think it pays off for me because Colonel Mustard at the end of it, it's like a minute long and everyone's yelling at the end and he just goes, that's what he says, but does he know? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's this whole convoluted thing where you're like, okay, they're going to hammer it out until everybody knows what's it. And then when he finally gets a concise answer, he's like, I don't believe him. Yeah. And that's also another yeah, one of my favorite lines is this is war peacock. You can't break it or make an omelet without breaking eggs. Every cook will tell you that. Look but look what happened, what to, happened the to the cook. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. And then they, they end up drawing matches to get paired up to go search around the house, which is uh, Colonel Mustard's uh, uh, idea. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and that's kind of where they just start looking for things and things start to kind of like, um, really speed up because really I guess speed up where... because after they search through the house, then um, you know Wadsworth is just like, "Aha, I've got it," and yeah. then recaps 
everything that's happened so far in the movie. And also, to paint the picture, this whole sequence is being scored by that Life Could Be a Dream song, um, which is just very fun. And when the power gets shut off, when all the people die, and it gets turned back on, it's really sinister, creepy sounding, the the turntable, like, the music turning back on slowly. Um, Another moment where, like, there are horror movie moments in here. It's just, like, little fun, kind of really creepy little bits. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's very weird and eerie. I think we've gotten to the point where Wadsworth's like, I know who did it. Yeah, we see hands destroy the photos and the tape. uh, Yeah. And that's when, like, that's during the everybody gets killed. Yeah. uh, Sequence. Um, also, before we get there, I think... The vet also gets killed. Yes. Um, I think one thing that I didn't mention, oh, we mentioned earlier, the, um, the, gun, the gunshots, counting the gunshots, the, the chandelier falling when um, you said the secret passage where Colonel yeah. Mustard and Miss Scarlet find the dead motorist in the study and they're locked in because Wadsworth has been locking everyone in and they can't unlock the door because now Wadsworth's like, I don't have the key. Right. They were... Uh, were they on the, sec- the third floor or were they in the attic? Uh, Colonel Mustard and no, they were the they were the first floor. So they, oh, they, they show them the exploring the billiards room so and the where, ballroom. Where was the uh, secret passageway from? So the secret passage was, um, I believe, this one from was the bar. The yeah, because the kitchen goes to the study where they where the first murder occurs, right. and the other secret passage is the the fireplace in the the room to the left where the motorist is killed. To um, yeah, I actually. I don't remember actually where that secret passage starts at. Um, there's one in the meat locker that in goes the, to the in study the in the, on the on the portrait. Right. And then there's the uh, there's oh, the is fireplace. It the, oh, it's in the um the the green room, the greenhouse room. They like pull a thing on a shelf. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And that leads them to. And that's the one that Colonel Mustard stumbles into. Yeah, yeah and he okay. goes, "I've led a nice life. I'll take the lead." Um, and that obviously leads them to being locked in with a dead body, and they're afraid. And a vet pulls the right, gun. Right, because that's what they come out in the study, mm-hmm. and now they're locked in because the secret uh, entrance closes behind yes. them. They don't know how to open it again. Yeah, and yeah, then now they're locked in with a at the time new dead body. Yeah, and that's, so everybody's suspicious of them after that because yeah. And that's uh, an important moment because that's three of the four gunshots that happen in the movie before yeah. the singing telegram girl is killed because a vet trips and shoots the chandelier and then shoots two times at the lock and then the gun is used to kill the singing telegram girl and those are the only gunshots so when right. Miss Scarlet says there's still bullets left there is still one one bullet left yeah. yes yeah sorry I got the secret passages it's the kitchen to the study mm-hmm. and vice versa and the conservatory to the lounge is the other that's what they call it not okay. the green room the, the conservatory but yeah, so then that leads obviously now there's shattered chandeliers, there's dead bodies everywhere, yeah. and Tim Curry is like, Oh, I've been clocking this the whole time, I know exactly what happened. Which leads to and this is I think where I was trying to articulate earlier why this movie is so strange to me in its in its structure, is that yeah. it's like an hour, maybe like seventy minutes of of plot and film and things happening, and then the last half hour or twenty five minutes, yeah, however long it is, scene, yeah. is just Tim Curry, madcap at full yeah. speed, 
describing everything that had already happened, and I don't know why it I, works. I call it Wadsworth's Madcap Recap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it I involves like a lot of, like, slapstick, like he's he's knocking Mr. Green over and pulling him back up and bashing him on the head and using him to pretend he's the one being killed. Right. And they're just running back and forth with the music playing, and this all obviously leads to the three endings. I ran to the kitchen, and everybody runs. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like, really tearing ass, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Side note here, apparently they had to stop filming for, like, a couple of days or a week because he was in such a state from running around and doing his lines like this that it had fucked with his blood pressure, and he needed to go to the hospital oh, and take, no. like, medication to, like, bring his blood pressure down. Oh, my God. And also... Um, That's not surprising. I Christopher, guess, you know. Christopher Lloyd mentioned that, like, him and Martin Mole, would, when a take would stop during that, like, series of filming that part of the movie, they'd right. be, like chumming it up and like goofing around and tim curry would be giving them like super stern looks like i'm trying to memorize a fucking phone book here can you guys like yeah like give me some space because i can imagine how difficult oh yeah that that sequence of the movie is for wadsworth he has like yeah not not only to all of the dialogue the actual beats of it but to like make them work like mm-hmm. when he mimics the because okay you mentioned earlier the slurping the soup they each kind of do it a little bit differently. It's like a different like tone kind mm-hmm. of, and he mimics those yes. when he yes. does the sl- yeah. which is like so weird and unnecessary but great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, like his really good, very pitch perfect Michael McKeon impression. Like, it's really good. It's a really good impression of Michael McKeon saying like I had to stop her from screaming. Mm-hmm. Like, and he also slaps Mrs. Peacock again. Like, yes. actually slaps her. <laughs> yeah, even though he doesn't have to. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's common. Um, yeah, a woman. <laughs> like everybody loves family comedy. <laughs> this PG, this PG uh, film needs more men slapping women. That's what we say in the eighties. Where's the yeah, cocaine? What, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. Um, and yeah, also, um, it is not a trivial pursuit. <laughs> also, uh, one of the things he he, snowing in New England. he does here. Is um, one of my favorite lines in the movie, and it was something one of my old bands actually had a song title of. He says two different times to make a long story short, and everyone responds back too late, too late which is just really good. Um, there's a lot of callbacks to like things that you felt like were jokes that were actually little clues toward the end. Like a big one is Mrs. Peacock being really enthused about the food. And leads to a great line where it's like, and monkeys' brains, though popular in Cantonese cuisine, is not likely found in Washington, D.C. And Mr. Green's like, is that what we ate? Right. And he's like doing retching sounds. Um, yeah, like, I think, like I said before, how tight the script is, everything in, is informing everything else, even if at first you just think it's like one-liner after one-liner, even those one-liners yeah, are getting called back and it's, it's so like folding in on itself. It, yeah. yeah. The biggest problem with like uh, foreshadowing and setting things up in movies is when either the director or the writing makes too big a deal of something mm-hmm. and then you know it's foreshadowing. Like it just rings like a bell. For sure. Um, we've talked about this in a bunch of other contexts on the podcast. Usually oh horror man, mo- that's going to be important later. Right. Yeah. Usually horror movies do it really bad where it's like, oh, that guy, you know, it finishes uh, putting that birdhouse together, and then we sit for like thirty seconds on a shot of the hammer, and it's like, okay, yeah, the hammer's going to be important later. In fact, I think we talked about when Crystal was on for your next that there's that whole thing with the axe at the front door, but so much shit happens. You forget, you forget about, about it. You kind of forget they about it. it. Yeah, right. Because it's been like twenty this, minutes. Right, and with Clue, there, there, it's a, sort of the same 
thing, it's not exactly time as much as it is volume. Mm-hmm. So many things are said that it's you can't pin like importance on any one of them in any scene because like none of them is lingered on. It's just like boom, 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 and then some of them come back. So when they come back, you're like, oh shit, I remember that from earlier. Yep. In in the middle of like forty jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it really works. It's a strategy that works, but that you not a lot of people can do. No, yeah, it, it, you honestly, need to have a lot of very equal feeling it's, things. It's got to be yeah. yeah all the, the writing has to be yeah. exactly perfect. The performances have to carry it. Like mm-hmm. it's very, it's a couple of very tenuous tightropes. Yeah, that they pull off for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. In this, yes. In other things, not so much. Right. And this obviously leads to uh, yeah. The, what the, are the three the three endings? Okay. Starting with ending one. Which is... Um, Basically, it hinges on whoever has the gun is the killer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Empty your purses, empty your pockets, whoever has the gun is the killer. And the way they... The first one goes, it's Miss Scarlet, and the reason she killed everyone um, is because of the her connections. So it's nebulous. In, in Miss Scarlet's case specifically, her character fits... Her, how she's tied to the people fits to the way the ending goes, because she's obviously tied to Colonel Mustard. Right. But they also mentioned she might be tied to Mrs. White's um, husbands, Husband. and also is obviously tied to a vet. Who they imply right. that a vet was a former, uh, ask like uh, a former prostitute yeah. under her employ, um, where she's the first killer. She pulls the gun out and she. I don't even know where I'm going with this. She's the killer. Actually, this one is my least favorite ending. I think well, it's the least memorable because it's sort her, of her whole thing is ideal and secrets. Right. Yeah. She yeah. she just they're all they're all poor, but she's like you're all connected to the government except for you, Wadsworth. So I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And it's revealed in this one that Wadsworth is FBI and right. stops her. Oh, the the we haven't even mentioned the police chief who shows up uh, as like a a like a like a preacher at the door talking about Armageddon happening and the. One another one of my favorite lines, also delivered by Eileen Brennan, is um, he's like, our uh, you know, kingdom of heaven is at hand. Our lives are, or, or it's like your your salvation is at stake. And she goes, our lives are at stake. You beat Nick and just shuts the door on him. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a weird joke. Yeah, it's a weird joke to have the chief of police show up as like a essentially like a Jehovah's Witness kind yeah. of right. Well, if you think too hard about it, it's like, what was he thinking here? Because if you go by the third one being canon, there's cops here the whole time, and they're, like, observing, and they know what's going on. What was he... What was the play for him to go up and pretend to be this guy, and he gets the door shut on him, he's like, all right, fine. Like, it feels very constructed because it's a funny joke, right? Right. Maybe it was supposed to be a checking in on your man on the inside kind of thing. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, I, I, I forgot about that you know, reveal uh, before we before I watched this again. But, like, I was like, ah, I was trying to think about it as soon as it ended. I was like, did he come in at a moment that it's... Because, like, it's also hard to keep track because there are three endings. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, okay, in, in, the, in that ending, like, when he shows up, who's in danger? Like, is anybody in immediate danger in that? Like, is he coming in, you know, is it like a Donnie Brasco thing where he's right. like, oh, I'm going to come in and create a di- diversion because, like, my informant is in trouble... Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah, they, yeah. If, if that's what they were intending, it is definitely not easily re- read in the script yeah. or in the performance yeah. or in the movie. No, at it all. just seems like a weird another weird yes. character like they, shows they, up. Yeah, just added it in so that when it ends, you're like, oh, that guy was the police. It was the chief, right? Um, and he's the chief in all three endings. Yeah, the way, yeah. the way it, you know, the way he interacts and, kind of changes a little bit between them. I mean, to be fair, like in all of the endings, the motorist is somebody. Yes. the cop is yeah. somebody. 
the maid is somebody. So we can like, run through that real quick, because I don't think that yeah. changes in any of them. The The motorist was the former driver for Colonel Mustard in the war who knew that he was oh, a right, war yeah. profiteer. Yes. Yeah. The, the cop is That's on... That's when we get the reveal that, of exactly yeah, what when he they're did. All, all yeah, when all the dead bodies are shown, they all lay it all out fully who these people are. We're, we're aware of it. The, um... The cop is on the payroll of Miss Scarlet so that she can keep running her illegal right, he looks stuff the other in, way. in D.C. Yeah. The singing telegram girl is the woman who Professor Plum, Plum had, had the affair, affair with. with. Um, I the, like he's like, yes, I recognize her. Yes, <laughs> like, of course. I'm like, you fucking one. weirdo. Like, a lot of these are like, okay. Right. Like, you know, when I, oh, the cop, yes, that's the cop that works for me, but I'm not going to say anything, and then he gets murdered. Right. But, like, to open the door and be like, oh, that's the, the girl I have the affair with, and she's dead. Well, <laughs> like, actually, yeah. my one I, big... My I one almost big... didn't recognize her because she had her clothes on. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> my one she big... wasn't in a, in a vulnerable emotional state. Yeah. My so. one big gripe with this movie, and it's some another spot where it's, like, deliberately, like, oh, this is a constructed movie, and we're trying to be obtuse so that you yeah. don't know what's going on is the motorist on his phone call before he's murdered, he refers to, like, the weirdest thing. My, old boss, my old boss who's from... here from... Um, yeah. When has any person who has served in the armed forces ever referred to a superior officer as their boss? boss. It does not yeah. happen. Yeah. In any respect. No, no. And the it's... only way it's like that is if he actually said, it's my old, like, su- superior... Commander. Like, my commander from the war. It's like, well, it's obviously fucking Colonel Mustard. Mustard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, so they had to be very honestly, big about that. But I that's... mean, if they had done it that way, if he'd said, like, that's my old commander from, and it got cut off there... You could think that all, any of those people are army vets because World War II was, like, ten years prior, right? Well, like, You could also believable. just be like, oh, well, well, Colonel Mustard's the only one that identifies himself as a military person, but, yeah. like, what are the other ones hiding? Like, you might even, like, it could be, like, be a able to diversion. create the seed of yeah. doubt. Like, right, like, who else is... Right. But it just stuck out to me. It felt yeah. very deliberately, like, we, we don't We're want to... We're phrasing it as yes. vaguely as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, yes. Yeah. Um, so the first one, obviously, Miss Scarlet killed everyone, and she's like, "You can all keep paying me in government co- secrets, right? Because they're all poor. Um, well, they're all, they're all broke from blackmail. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of you are paying what you all can broke afford, from, uh, or more than you can afford. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're all broke from paying for various fear records. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then obviously the cops come in. It's revealed that uh, that. Uh, you know, Wadsworth is an FBI guy. Oh, that call for J. Edgar Hoover was for me. Yeah. Um, the second ending is pretty much the same in premises that it's one person who did it. This time it's Miss Peacock, and it leads to one of, another one of my favorite moments where they're like, what are we going to do now after she reveals herself as the killer? And they're like, nothing. You can leave. In fact, we owe you a, a great deal of gratitude, and they start singing Think for She's a, a Jolly Good Fellow. fellow. And yeah. Madeline Kahn's accompanying, like, second melodic bit where she's, yeah. like, doing high. For she's a Jolly Good it's, Fellow. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. And it's like, they're like, for nobody can and I can and I can. It it's works great. so well, and then so as soon as the door shuts, they all just like visibly like sag, like fuck this. Yeah, they're like finally the murderer has left. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that also leads to the police chief revealing himself outside. One of the only scenes that takes place fully outdoors be- since the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Oh, Miss Peacock, how do you know my name? Which isn't even really her name. She's become so ingrained in, right, in right. the night that Mrs. Peacock is now who she is. Um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pulls the gun out. Yeah, which is just weird. Yeah. And also, well, another great line. Um, in, in, yes. in an ending that they didn't end up doing, he shoots her dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's crazier. 
Yeah, yeah it also less PG and family friendly. Yeah, it also has a great one of my another one of my Couldn't favorite lines. Slapped her a little bit more. Right. right. Speaking of slapping, the end of that ending goes um, with Tim Curry uh, with Wadsworth going. It's just like the Mounties, we always get our man, and Mr. Green going, Mrs. Peacock was a man, and multiple slaps to the face. Yeah. And that's the end of that one, which leads into, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of most people, it's quote-unquote the canon ending because of the cre- the sequence, or the, the title card saying, yeah. and now this is how it actually this happened. This is what really happened. It's yeah. also, I think, the best ending. It's the funniest one, and it includes the iconic... It's one that just makes... The most the uh, most sense that arguably they're all... the Miss Scarlet one makes enough sense, but it's not satisfying. Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. both satisfying and tracks, yeah. and it includes the the most iconic moment in the movie, arguably, which is Madeline Kahn's ad lib oh, flames God, on yeah. the side of my face bit, where it's revealed that she was the one who murdered a vet because. Yvette had had an affair with one of her husband. husbands. Yeah. Um, and she goes, I hated her. And that whole, just that moment I always, is... Sorry. I always forget that that's at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I'm I just like, where is that? Yeah, and then, I always think that's like... And I was like, oh, it's like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, because that's such a... It's weirdly such... I mean, maybe not weird, Like, such a standout line. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that was in... I would... I would put money on that was in the commercials that played on Comedy Central. Oh, I think like so, that yeah. clip. It's unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in the movie, and then like it's just like such a weird delivery. Yeah, it's so nakedly like yeah. If you were that angry that you didn't have words anymore, and you were right. describing physical sensations, but not very well. No, it would be exactly this. Yeah, heaving, yeah. heavy, heaving <laughs> breath. I hated her so. Much yes. the, f- the so flames, yeah. It's 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 a great moment. Neglected to mention That's in the second ending because I'm trying man. to I'm forgetting the things that happen in each ending. Or the first ending has the iconic Miss Scarlet Wadsworth. Oh. There's no bullets left in this gun. There's one bullet left in this yeah. gun. One plus two plus two plus one bit, which is yeah. again very Al- yeah. Abbott and Costello-y. Yes. No, it was yeah. one plus one plus two plus one. Yeah, yeah, but even if you said that there was only one shot in the on the chandelier and there was only one shot in the lock, so that's actually one plus one plus two plus one. Right. They go and then it just goes on. Yeah. Um but yeah, the and the third the third ending obviously every person besides Mr. Green murdered somebody. <laughs> it's revealed in this ending that Wadsworth is not an FBI guy, he's actually Mr. Body. And Mr. Body is his butler, and he's yeah. been the one blackmailing everyone. Which makes you also think, if we're talking about things that don't really work that well or jive, think about the the, the off-screen conversation they have. Does that sound like two people right. where one guy's the butler and the other guy's not the butler? Like, right. How does that dynamic yeah, work? your butler shows up what and is, is like, I yes. want to leave over my dead body. We'll fuck you. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And he's just pretending to, to for the uh, that Wadsworth is his butler. Like, also, why is he in on it? Let's not kid ourselves. Leaving doesn't look like anybody's butler. butler. No, <laughs> certainly not. Um, if you made your butler not shave for four days and you did a lot of practice, he's not, he's not stubbly. He's just—he's a little stubbly. I do love his shoes, the white-tipped uh, dress shoes that click. Yeah. I'm like when he's running yeah. down the hall. Yeah, I feel like leaving could be a butler if he had actually like. Held himself more upright and had like a tighter haircut and wasn't and, doing and, movie villain yeah. energy yeah, in just, his. He just looks like a, he's just playing a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would never hire that butler. Yeah. It's like, oh, I need a butler. And Who's gonna Lee, steal my silver? Yeah, Lee Ving shows up fingering a violin case or whatever. I'm just like, <laughs> no. no, you're a cartoonish villain. Yeah. The third ending where all the characters are revealed to have murdered each of the people that they're tied to. Um, you know, i.e., Yvette. 
is killed by Mrs. Green, the cops killed by Miss Scarlet, the singing telegram girl killed by Mr. Green or Mr. Uh, Professor Plum, so on and yeah. so forth. The reveal when Miss Scarlet, when Wadsworth goes, you did it. Mrs. White, not Yeah, Mr. no, I said, um, when, when it's revealed okay. in that yeah, last yeah. moment that Miss Scarlet killed the cop, she goes, he's like, true or false? And she goes, true, who are you, Perry Mason? Yeah. Another great line reading. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just revealed that all of them killed them and to the iconic moment where... Mr. Green goes, I was going to expose you to Wadsworth. And he was like, I chose to expose myself. Colonel Mustard goes, please, there are are ladies present. (laughs) And he pulls a gun out and shoots Wadsworth. And it turns out the great, my favorite reveal is that Mr. Green, the bumbling homosexual, has actually been the plant inside the mole the whole time. The call for J. Edgar Hoover earlier in the movie was for him. He is not gay. And the one of my favorite ending lines in any movie ever, take him away, chief. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Well, he also makes such a meal out of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a, such a I'm weird... I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Yeah. And also the freeze frames feel very of a time. Like, yeah. each ending ends with, like, yeah. a still freeze frame. Yeah. Wonderful. And it all feels very whirlwind-like. Like, that sequence is... I, it took a lot to describe it. The three endings happen, I think, in, like, Less than 20 minutes. Like, it's yeah. a very small portion oh, yeah. of the film. Um, and it's just all the propulsion of the three people getting murdered in quick succession leads to the, I know who did it, I'm going to reveal it. Yeah. No, there are three elaborate endings and it still feels shorter than Return of the King. It's because it <laughs> yeah. is shorter than Return of the King. Oh, boy. By like an hour and a half. If you go by the director's cut. It's weird. It's <laughs> weird. Hmm. And then... Miss Peacock left, and she said goodbye to the giant spider. <laughs> and then she visited the realm of the elves. Yeah, that movie felt... Uh, and then she went to the realm of men. Oh my god, I have to pee so bad. And then... I saw that movie in theaters, and I was like, yeah, too. I'm just leaving. <laughs> I yeah, like, I'm not well, coming back, I'm gonna go pee, and then I'm just out the door. I'm yeah, over it. I was like, I, I get it. The movie ended like 15 minutes ago. I've been waiting for it to be over, and it won't be over. No, it just keeps happening. No, this they is have to visit that keeps everybody. To right. me. They, they have to visit everybody they visited in three whole movies. I don't got time for this. They should have done the eighties montage of and so and so went to so and so and this and that and the other thing. They, yeah, they should have just had Eric Idle come in at the end of that movie <laughs> and be like, and then they visited the realms of men and Galindor and Florbendor. And the forest of Elfendor. And that should have been the whole fucking movie. And then cut to the Shire and be like, all right, let's have tea. Thank God you can all leave now. <laughs> it's been two and a half hours. That would be amazing. 14 Academy Awards. But yeah, they still would have gotten many awards. Best last minute narration. We'll have tea and you can GTFO. <laughs> yeah, that's a very common... Middle Earth saying. Very Middle Earth was big Frodo. with the abbreviation. I think Frodo copyrighted it. Yeah, I think so. All right, so do you guys want to vote? Yeah, sure. let's vote. All right, uh, well, Sean, you brought this movie to us. Uh, you can start. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had said up top that it's like a top ten movie for me, but honestly, like, I also mentioned that it's, I've seen it like 40 or 50 times, and this last time around, I honestly felt like it wasn't hitting as much. So I, I feel weird saying it's a favorite movie now because I don't think it holds up quite as well. So in a weird turn, I think I'm going hate watch, honestly. Wow. Didn't see that coming. Uh, Crystal. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, gonna have to, gonna have to go with that. Same thing, like, thought it was fun, but, eh. Hmm. Allison? I just, I don't think that there was, you know, enough of anything. Wow. I feel yeah. like, I feel like more would be more, and we didn't do enough of more. Yeah, there wasn't And there was more. just less, and that was just... That's extremely well you put. Know, not enough. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Quite. What about you, Hunter? Uh, yeah, I gotta say, not enough leaving. Hate watch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I need leaving. at least more uh, fear songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, I know there's no fear songs in the whole We're not movie. fully capitalizing on the on the, <laughs> the leaving cameo. This, what, a, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> how it could have happened. You guys want to vote? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, Sean, you pick this one. Why don't you... Uh... Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, you know, we've been talking about all the one-liners. It's a really enjoyable movie. The cast's pretty great. But, like, ultimately, it's a fairly flimsy movie. There's not a lot to it. It's, like, just people kind of having fun and saying one-liners at each other. I am totally fine with admitting that it's, like, a favorite movie of mine and also admitting that it's probably not the greatest thing in the world. I can't say it's a hate watch, but I also, I guess I can't say really it's a it's a great watch either. Oh, we call those just a watch. Oh, a watch. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm showing you, my... You could watch. I could watch it, but I'm not... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I feel similarly. Like, there's some good jokes, but, you know, it's, it's very frantic and kind of hard to put the pieces together, especially if you're like trying to take notes like I was. You look down and you're just like, well, I missed a thing. And, like, maybe that's on me, but I feel like, yeah, it could have been better, but I did enjoy it. So it, it is also a watch. Yeah, um, so there was a movie a few years ago called, was it Hero? I don't know. That's a movie. Yeah. It is a movie. Well, and I think also Shadow was similar, where, like, depending on different endings there were different colors and things and so this was kind of doing that and i mean like while it's a neat contrivance you're not really giving me a whole story for the whole time and why aren't you so Fair. yeah if you haven't seen anything do this before you could watch it or if you just want to see some of the people that were in the cast that we like you could watch it sure and it is a watch yeah, um, I, 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 I have to agree. Uh, the, the multiple endings thing is kind of, it's a blessing and a curse. It's the most, you know, unique thing, but also it's, you, you spend, you know, 20 minutes w with them running through the different scenarios and it's just comparing apples to apples and you're just, I, yeah, it's a watch. But here's what really happened. All right, Sean, you brought this film to us. Please give us... Uh, I think it's pretty obvious the answer I'm going to give here. I uh, set it up top. It's a top ten all time for me. Uh, no matter how many times I watch it at this point, Crystal mentioned earlier, I know the whole movie by heart. Yes. It's absolutely a great watch. A thousand, a billion percent. Uh, great, great cast. Great performances. Really tight script. Iconic, memorable lines. I mean, what more do you want from a fun movie to watch with your friends? Great watch. Uh, I will also say great watch. Um, yeah, 
despite the fact that, like, I kind of grew up watching this movie and it was something that, like, I definitely remember very well from childhood, um, besides that nostalgia, like, re-watching it as an adult, there are a lot more jokes that I get, and, like, they're just kind of everything kind of hits on a different level that I really appreciate. Um, the cast is fantastic. All the jokes, nearly all the jokes, like, land and they get a good laugh and you kind of laugh over other jokes. So there's just so much to watch every yeah. time. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a great watch. It's also, uh, to add before you uh, talk, Allison, um, extremely rewatchable. I think there's yeah. so much going on that, like, if you watch it one time, you're not going to catch everything. And I think it actually is one of those movies, it might be like a third or fourth time you're still going to be finding things in the background that uh, you didn't notice. And I think that's a sign of a great watch is a movie that you can keep gleaning things from with repeat viewings. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I forgot exactly how sparkling the dialogue is. It's really very funny the whole time. And then, I mean, even just, yeah, like little nuances of like characters exchanging looks or like the, the little moments are like really present in here and it's people really inhabiting the characters that they're playing and also allowing room for different interpretations of different interactions I think is just great and yeah it's it's super fun it was fun the first time I watched it and it's been fun every time I've watched it since so great watch uh yeah uh it's <laughs> it's always funny there's always something else to like th that you catch or you know that, that stands out to me anyway where I yeah, just, you know, times where I watch it, I'm just, like, fascinated by one of the characters, where I'm like, man, like, like, Michael McKeon, the whole time, like, if you just watch just Michael McKeon in all the scenes he's in, and it's a completely different experience than if you just watch the movie, you know, on a whole. Uh, yeah, it's great. The dialogue is great. I think everybody is giving a really good, interesting performance without all calling attention to themselves in any, like, distracting way, um, so that, you know, whoever is, like, the focus of the scene gets to be the focus of the scene. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort, where yeah. uh, a it's lot a, of it's actors a true talk ensemble. about being given, For sure. giving actors and, and being able to play off of each other, and that definitely happens here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not like an ensemble cast where a bunch of named actors you recognize show up for, like, a scene or two, and they're coming in and out. It's a bunch of names... All, every scene pretty much has every actor the whole time. Yeah. And working together. Right, right. and they all, they're all, yeah, working off of each other yeah. and feeding each other lines and feeding each other setups. And yes. Yeah. Uh, it's great. You don't really get movies like this uh, anymore at all. It definitely feels of a time, for sure. Yeah. And, like, as far as board game adaptations, it's got to be the best <laughs> one by, like, a huge margin. Number right? one and number two, way lower, Battleship. <laughs> yeah, and then third, Popomatic Trouble. What? <laughs> That's not a movie. It definitely has Rob Schneider in it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great watch. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's a great watch. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, thank, thank you, for, Sean. Yeah, thanks for letting me pick uh, one of my favorite movies for us to yeah. chat about. Yeah, thank you guys for being here. Of course. Uh, Sean, would you like to direct anybody to your social media, anything like that? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm known on all social socials, Instagram, Twitter, as Modest uh, underscore Sean, or Modest Sean without an underscore, depending on what you're on. But if you care to, if you care at all to look at anything, I'm in a band called Petrol. Um, Petrol PHL on Twitter, um, petrolphl.bandcamp.com. If you care about listening to music, 
uh, about spaceships and stuff. It's a great album. I highly recommend it. Thank um, you. I can be found at KTL Bummer on Instagram and Wantful underscore Things uh, is all of my art on Instagram. Um, I use Twitter, but only very occasionally, so it's KTLB. I'm never on it. It's whatever. It's just wrestling for me, so. <laughs> oh, this is going to live forever on, on the podcast waves. Uh, I love this person so much. <laughs> Aw, thank you. I love I you, too. I leave that in. Aw. Aw. Do you want to direct people to your social media, Allison? Uh... She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Why would she? Barely on there. I'm on Twitter at a yak attack. But you don't really know that because I really don't. Do exactly, barely use them. I'm sorry. Oh wait, it's the same as Instagram, right? Maybe I don't actually. No, know No, I think Instagram. on Instagram you're at Allison Yukulis. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Barely use them. Gives you an idea of how how used no, they I, are. I, I Couldn't do not, care less. I do not use Instagram. I kind of use Twitter. Yeah. yeah find Allison if you are a uh, phone game designer. Yes. And she is very interested. Or if you have find access me, to fine cheeses. Find <laughs> find me if Where's Waldo got too easy for you. <laughs> All right. Well, you can, find, you can email uh, us at right, hey, watch, great watch. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W, gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at H-W-G-W podcast on both those platforms. You can get us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday. You got that one. <laughs> on moviejohn.com. And please support the Movie John Patreon. It's patreon.com slash moviejawn for all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, thanks, guys, for being here. Thank thanks. you. Thank you. Thanks, Allison, for joining us. Of yeah, course. This was great. And, uh, yeah, this was fun time. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks for being my friend. Great watch. Great watch. Great watch. Great watch. Great watch. <laughs> all right. Cool. Bye. Bye. Night where there's it. I actually likened it to Dazed and Confused a bit in how it's like a hangout movie. Um, or not a hangout movie. Actually, I'm mixing stuff up. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can edit this part out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. This has been 